0: Everyone is dead, and I'm the
1: last person
0: on Earth. Or am I? Who, who's that? Don't you worry, good sir. I may be a ghost, but I can still help you to not feel alone. Get out of your wallet, though.
2: Get away from him, you fraud. The Mystery Machine is here to solve this horrific scam on everyone left alive.
0: Darn it,
1: darn it, darn it! I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids and your dog! Hey Paisanos, it's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show! We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school our game, we're not like the others. You get all the fame, you get back, left in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. To hooked on the brothers. For a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from RPGs of Sweet Grab consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Welcome to the RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And that is right, boys and girls, you have arrived at the one, the only, RPG Backtrack. This is episode 184. I forget the title. What's the title? Do we have a title, Mike?
4: We do. It's... Actually, Kelly might remember it, because she got the
1: reference I was coming up with in the, in the chat the other day.
2: Uh, Fragilie, it's Italian.
1: There you go. And uh, as the little uh, introduction mentioned earlier, I am Phil Willis. This is the one and only Mr. Mike Niki. Yeah, I
4: am here. As I never owned a Wii, however, I did not actually play the game we're talking about, but I can listen and learn with you.
1: Yes, uh, we will both be listening and learning as we listen to this dynamic duo of wonderful retro gaming ladies. Starting with Miss Cassandra
0: Ramos. Hello, everybody, and Miss Relly Cayen. I-, I quite
2: enjoyed playing with the Wii
0: back in the day. Same here, same
1: here. Well, and I and I still enjoy playing with my Wii. I'm not not too ashamed to admit that I'm a. 47 year old guy that enjoys playing with my Wii every chance I get.
2: Hey, I, I didn't want to go there.
1: What? I'm playing Xenoblade. I don't. I'm just talking about Xenoblade Chronicles, okay? I'm a retro gamer. I'm working through Xenoblade Chronicles. I don't know where your mind is at. Anyway. You're actually working
4: through it on the Wii and not the 3DS. Or I'm sorry, the, the enhanced 3DS, whatever it's called.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, exactly right. Because uh, I like the graphics on the Wii version better. I did like them, I have them both, and I did them both like you know one after the other. And uh, you know, they're definitely. I mean, the Wii is no graphical powerhouse, but compared to what the 3DS could do. Of course, if you don't have a Wii lying around and you do have a 3DS, it's still an awesome game that i hear so you should probably check it out on your 3ds and it did capture the scope i think that was the impressive thing was that you know in running around the fields and stuff you could still see you know all of you know these huge lands and things off in the distance on the 3ds
3: now
2: i can't say i blame you because that text is tiny in that version on the 3ds and with the, the i mean yeah it captures the scope but you can't beat a big screen
3: Mm -mm.
1: yeah that's it so uh even though the uh the handheld does have the advantage of being portable i probably get it done faster i was like you know what i'll just keep plugging away on dragon quest on my ds and use my play with my wii with joy con in each hand anyway uh but we're not here yeah (laughs) there you go we're not here to talk about signal blade we're here Again, to talk we did about that already yeah we already did that we're here to talk about uh you know fragile dreams farewell ruins of the moon uh don't know what that is well i don't either but if y'all will hold on tight <laughs> after this wonderful music you're gonna discover this game with us we'll be right back back thank you so much for joining us this is the main event where we take a game or a couple of games and we drive into we drive we jump into all of its juicy guts and in herds and then we if spill we them all over drive, the ground.
4: we're gonna leave a lot of corpses behind us but
1: we are going to drive in there mm, yep i'm gonna run that the bus the only, through those zombies
2: i think the only corpse i'm gonna leave behind is my feels Because this game is just full of them and I'm going to be drained of them by the time we're done with this discussion.
1: The game we are talking about is Fragile Dreams, Farewell Ruins of the Moon, developed by Namco, Bandai Games, and Tri-Crescendo, published in North America by XSEED. This was released on the Nintendo Wii in North America on March 16th, 2010, a single-player RPG experience. And we'd like to start off... By just jumping right into the story. Just just dive in. Do it. Take it from here, ladies. Or drive in. Take your pick.
0: Well, there's no driving here, so in this game. No ball walking. Okay, so uh, the game starts off uh, with a boy named Seto, and he may be the last human being on the face of the planet. Although, we we'll shortly find out, he's not. Is grandfather not really related by blood uh, he's just an old man who raised him had recently died and he's not sure what to do he's really alone he's really feeling lonely so the first part of the game you explore uh, the observatory they've been living together in for the past 15 years of his life and he finds a letter with a strange blue crystal and the uh, letter ex- ha- has uh, instructs him to, said, uh, telling him like he's how regretful his grandfather is and he didn't get to know him better and he regrets the things he's done in his life, but he does wish the best for Seto and tells him to go look for, go for the tall red tower in the distance where there might be survivors there. So Seto sets, he also fights this weird mask, like ghost thing. Uh, you never get a full explanation for that in the game, oddly. Not that I can recall anyway. But I, an, inter, like an interview with the, uh, with the producer, I believe, explains certain mysteries in this game, but we'll get to that later, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, so Seto sets out and uh, not long after he runs, he finds this uh, girl around his age with very white, uh, white, silvery white hair. He calls her the silver hair girl. Um, she, you actually don't learn her name until the end of the game, but all of the pre-release materials and the manual gives her name as Ren. So yay for spoiling that a long time ago, I guess. Yeah, even though it, it doesn't really matter at the end. But yeah, it's still yeah. kinda of
2: crappy that they
0: He's kinda did like, that. Oh yeah. Yeah, just like, oh yeah, we never he she never did give him his name. That was weird, but it's just so we knew about it already. Mm-hmm. But, but anyway, she's singing a song, he uh, stumbles he accidentally startles her and she runs away from him. And uh, he tries to follow her because dang it, there's somebody else finally in the world mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to be alone. And I mm-hmm. assume she he thinks she's cute. Uh they fall goes into an old subway entrance. Uh very dark and very dilapidated in there. Um, he eventually stumbles upon, he hears a voice first, a strange voice asking for help. It's like, I'm in need of assistance, I think it says. Mm-hmm. Uh, he manages to find it, and it's this very strange, it's, it's apparently some kind of personal computer called a personal frame, but it looks like this weird, very clunky, outdated machine, and even has like what looks like a TV antenna on top of it. But it's some kind of AI computer called a Personal Frame that used to belong to somebody who presumably died in whatever unknown apocalypse hit the world. So he, attacked, he put, straps her onto his back, and he and he goes on to his way. She provides help. She provides hints and makes comments. Uh, she actually makes this on this kind of goofy comment earlier on, uh, in because uh, she notices how fa- she points out how fireflies would gather around important objects like items were pointed out where the save point is and then seto asks why would they do that and she says um because it's summer <laughs> like because that's the game's mechanic it's just like fireflies make do something important so go figure
2: and i forgot does she point out your save points too
0: yeah yeah she points out that it's those bonfires yeah uh,
2: predating dark souls by a couple
0: of years no mm-hmm. less <laughs> So let's see. And um, so they go through the station. They do find some strange drawings. Uh, did they, yeah, I think they find at least one strange drawing left behind by the silver haired girl by Ren. She's a terrible artist, by the way. Um, but as they are about to leave this subway, the uh, PF's battery dies out. And in this dilapidated world, there's probably no way they're going to find any batteries. So she dies on him. And he buries the PF device, keeping a screw from, from it, from her. And which is, you know, and already he's upset by that because he, even though it wasn't a human, it was somebody to talk to. And she kind of she had some emotions. She wasn't just a machine. Uh, th- that scene
2: is very sad, particularly the fact that he takes the time to bury her and the music
0: that plays in that scene. just mm-hmm. it's, it's the first of the feels you're going to feel. Yep, and also the first time we're said, "Oh, meet somebody," and just as quickly, Luke. and and quickly, we forgot to point out that um, PF's voice comes in through the Wii Remote. Oh yes, that's right. I forgot to mention that uh, it's a neat little feature of the game where you remember that the Wii Remote has a speaker. Mm-hmm. Most games don't really do much with it, but uh, that I at least I, that, the ones that I've come across. But yeah, that's. It really helped
2: with the immersion
0: of the game,
2: and the immersion is what makes this game so special because it just creates an atmosphere.
0: But we can get in more to that in the gameplay itself. But I wanted to point that out. But yeah, she—if uh, you hold it up to your, I guess, I'm short that—if you hold it up to your ear while you have PF on, on while well, PF is still around, she'll actually give it up. She'll give it ice. But okay, so moving on. Uh, after leaving the subway. Uh, there's this short scene where he's like, in, I think it's like a train yard. He meets a goat, like this ghostly girl that plays hide and seek with him, and you get this touching scene where you see like her, like her whited out mother having come for her spirit, and then they both go presumably to the afterlife. Uh, after that, uh, they go to a, like that. They I say that Seto De- is still alone at this point. Seto um, goes to an abandoned amusement park. Uh, it's actually really neat to see, like very. Like oh like a lot like the uh, subway is very dark but you see like the moonlight lighting up everything and it's just got this eerie but still stri- hauntingly pretty look to it all. Um, there at the amusement park, he meets this strange boy called Crow. Uh, he you you already know there's something off about him because he has slitted pupils for eyes like a cat. Although you don't really know what he is until much later. He steals Seto's locket, which has a PF screw in that crystal his grandfather gave him. So he chases after him. You have to, you have to catch him three times before he gives back the locket, and they become friends. He takes him to like his secret, like his secret underground spot. Shows him a book that's important to him. Shows him a photograph, and before they part ways, and insteado goes to look for uh, Ren again. Uh, Crow kisses him because he says, if "Friends give each other kisses, don't they?" And Seto's all like, "But that was my first kiss ever."
2: A uh, v- very awkward yet very funny scene. And and bear in mind before this, Crow is a complete
0: jerk to Sato. Oh, yeah. And, even, and yeah, very much so. But it's still kind of, you know, it's kind of cute. It, it, it really is cute. It's kind
2: of a very mocking, big brotherly thing going on there until the awkward kiss and
0: then it gets weird. But I think that was the point. <laughs> exactly. And again, later you will find out more about why Crow might like, about, but anyway, we'll take us with that a little later. Yeah. yeah. So, because, yeah, so Crow goes off because he's, he's trying to look up for more. He's trying to, because Crow lost his memories, I believe. So he doesn't know entirely much about where he came from. Or who he is he's still trying to find that, hence why he's not joining Seto on his journey. Uh, let's see here. After that, yeah, after that, they go to the hotel. You see the sunlight for a brief moment, but the hotel is all dark. Uh, and in that hotel, he's getting to follow right behind Ren, still seeing pictures. And there he meets uh, two more ghosts. Uh, one is Sai, who actually uh, a, a ghost girl. She is rather strange, lo- kind of strange looking. Uh, she's got this like bandage on her head and bandages in other parts of her body. And she's got all these drawings on her as if being prepped for surgery. And you actually see her, her body somehow not looking all that decomposed uh, in a bed in a hotel. Uh, So she follows Seto for the rest of the game. She's... Sai, similarly, supposed to give out advice when you hold up the Wii remote, but all she ever does is make random, goofy comments. Uh, The ones that stick out in my mind are when she wonders what crow tastes like, as in the bird crow tastes like. Mm. And she might say, Pervert, my eyes are up here! Like, okay, (laughs) I wasn't looking at you. Though now that you mention it, you're not wearing very much... You're just wearing that jacket and not much of a shirt. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. And she's got a little piggy plush on her for some reason. Yes. They never comment on it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cute. And uh, the other ghost they met is uh, a little ghost girl named Chio. She uh, is, she will not let you into a room. And they're hoping that they can, that, hoping that they uh, some evidence that uh, Ren might've been there, but she doesn't trust Seto and won't let him in until he goes and fetches a couple of items, uh, three items. And, and you have to completely backtrack by foot to earlier points of the game. And it's a, it's a hassle. But he comes back with these items. The last one he finds is a silver ring. And then she's so impressed. You know, she she's so glad that he found this. So you have to find a boss, in fact, a, a monstrous tree that somehow took res- up residence in the hotel. And she's so impressed by this that she lets him in. And uh, that he she reveals her name because Chiyo didn't actually give her name before. And there you find out that Chio's not a ghost quite yet. Uh, there is an old woman lying in a bed that looks like an older version of Chio. So presumably this Chiyo, the ghostly Chio, is some kind of astral projection. And then she goes into this long uh, speech about how important it is for to make connections and to ch- cherish every part of your life until she passes away. And it, it's pretty sad because for a very brief moment, there was a living human with Soto in the same place. Very, very briefly. So after she after Chio passes away, they move on from the hotel. They being Seto and Sai. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Is this is this when they go to the? Is it when they go to that hydro plant? I think they. Oh, they go to or just go to the se- sewers first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they go. They travel. It's a. Yeah, it's a pretty long section. You travel through this. They travel through the sewers. Uh, they go to a hydroelectric dam, which is still working. Uh, and uh, somewhere along the way, my memory's a bit sketchy of this part, but somewhere along the way, they find out they find Crow there, mm-hmm. and Crow turns out he's a robot all this time, and he's also his battery's also dying, and he's dying. Uh, Seto is there, and it's a very sad scene. It's this absolutely beautifully sad piece of music that plays, called something called Trust, as he uh, slowly, you know, it fades away in his arms. And he was goes like a robotic for a bit, like my friend, my friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like you know, it's kind of creepy, but also very sad at the same time. And when he goes out, Sai says something to the effect of, oh, his battery's die. Like his ba- like he stops working, and Seto says, No, he died. Uh, you move on from there. And I said this point, yeah, they they at, at at sometime after this point, they Sai and Seto see meet Ren in a cell. Seto and Ren finally speak to each other face the to face. Cat. Yes, because of the help of the cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the developers, for apparently, were not only cat people but dislike dogs strongly. Apparently. Oh yeah. <laughs> because the cat, they, all the cats in this game are adorable little things that only want to play, and the dogs are all enemies that bark at you, and some of them are literally seem to be literally demonic. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so. Because I might cat-
4: agree with that after a, a loose dog chased after me a couple of years ago. That was not fun. And
2: I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a cat person, but there needed to be some dog love too. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's kind of, it's an unfair portrayal for sure. But regard <laughs> regardless, and actually, I'm, the- I'm not blaming the dog. I'm blaming oh, the no, idiot but- owner who
4: <laughs> let it loose. <laughs>
0: Well, although there are a few of the memory item stories, which we'll get into a bit later, do, or do center around a dog. So mm-hmm. there's some dog love, but not on screen. Yeah. Anyway, but anyway, because the cat trusts Seto, she, Ren trusts Seto. She's about to set give give her, him her name, but she hears like a voice calling her and she goes further, like she goes somewhere else. He tries to follow her. And then I at some point, Sai... Explains the backstory as to exactly what happened to the world and why there are virtually no humans left. Uh, and this is a actually comes across as very weird. Uh, the the reasoning behind it, she says that it, some some decades ago, because it's been at least fifty years, I think uh, they uh, scientists started up a project called Glass Cave, basically giving everybody a sort of psychic powers so that they'll be able to read each other's minds and have complete empathy. Because uh, previous years was a bunch of wars, and everybody was tired of all the fighting, and surely they could all read each other's minds. There won't be any wars anymore because, you know, it's not like there aren't any far more complicated reasons people go to war over. Because, you know,
2: I, I I want to know what every what, exactly what everyone around me is thinking at all times. <laughs>
0: exactly, that too. That too. But anyway, when the project was enacted, when it started, everybody, you know, everybody was happy, gliding, yay, we can all understand each other, but Almost everybody who went to sleep after the project uh, started up dying in their sleep. Some people tried to stay awake for as long as they could. Some people were immune to the effects for some reason, which is why there are survivors in it, in, to begin with. But otherwise, everybody just just slept and died. I, th- I think this is the most happy
2: apocalypse depicted in the history of apocalypses.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty weird because you don't, you see no people around, you see all the overgrowth of plants and the collapsing buildings, but there's no evidence of any wars, there's no evidence of natural disasters, just abandoned. And Except, I remember early on, you see this weird drawing of what looked like aliens riding on spaceships, and I thought, okay, was everybody whisked away by aliens? Yeah, I like, remember thinking the same thing. Yeah, but I guess that was just a random drawing. <laughs> So then also Psy. the reason she has those strange markings on her, because she was the catalyst. Uh, Scientists were doing experiments on her because they needed to somehow use a person to begin this weird telepathy project. I mean, go figure how that's supposed to work. Uh, But there was one scientist that was nice to her, and his name was Shin. Uh, They shortly find out that Shin, or at least a ghostly version of him, uh it wants to start up the glass cage project again he's the one who calls out to ren and he he wants to do it they don't know why he wants to do it at first it's just like but if he does it a second time everybody might die so they need to stop that and of course seto wants to save ren because he kind of likes her uh let me think here at some point they fight uh he fights a a very large crane manages to defeat it using just a bow and arrow don't know how that works um let me think here what else happened i think he just goes up to tokyo tower to, yeah i think he just goes up to tokyo tower to face shin face to fight shin face to face along the way he hears the voices of the people he's met along the way uh, the people and i guess machines and ghosts he's led along the way he hears pf's voice chio's voice crow's voice all encouraging him to go up he goes and faces shin he manages to beat him, but Shin is all like, "Oh, I re- yeah." I re- uh, he it does explain his reasoning. The reason he wants to just end humanity is because, and I guess his feelings are why everybody died after the uh, glass cage party was enacted. Is because he first experimented on himself and started it may give himself telepathy, but he heard everybody's scorn for him in his head. He like. They would say nice things to him, but they were thinking hateful things about him, and he ate everybody. Just like, so, okay, great, so everybody died because you're, because you're full of wanks, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, so he's all like, no, I must still, you know, enact the gla- glass cage project, but Psy uh, goes up to him and talks to him and reveals that she's been in love with him all this time, and he's like, how did I never, He, how did I never know about this? Like, he because he could he read minds, but she says, like, some things maybe have to be said in have to be said in, have to be said physically. Some things have to be spoken in words. And he's like, and "Oh he, wow, yeah." And he would, and she fell
2: in love with him because he was one of the only scientists that checked up on her after the experiments
0: and gave her candies. Yeah. So, although uh, an odd thing is, is, that in the interview, you actually find out they aren't really Sai and Shin. Um, they're both AI copies of their personalities. So Sai dies. who do know how long ago. And oh yeah. A, split, a twist you're only going to find out by an interview. Shin is actually Seto's grandfather, the man who raised him. Because presumably he made an AI copy and regretted it. It's like, oh no, I just caused an apocalypse. Well, great. <laughs> and I guess he tried to make up for it by raising Seto. But this Shin is actually an AI. But anyway, the two of them uh, dissipate... The, that is the AI versions, the sort semi ghostly versions dissipate. You hear a weird voice saying no. You know you have to enact the project, but the project will only be started up again. And then Ren and Seto meet. Ren tells her name, and they go off to they hope find survivors. Like, but at the very end, uh, Seto, uh, much older, gives this sad like gives a sad like epilogue about how. They were together for many years, but in the end, he was truly alone. And apparently, which implies that she must have died at some point, which, Mm -hmm. well, great. And there's, and, okay, so that's the end of the main story. Should we go into the, uh, the memory items then? Yeah, so
2: one of the things about this game that's really interesting is that over the course of the game, you pick up these items, and you don't know what they are until you go to the campfire to save your game and seto kind of grabs them and looks at them and goes hey neat and then all of a sudden a sound novel starts playing kind of like in lost odyssey and it's it's voiced over with text and these memory items basically tell a short little story and most of the time the story is just one memory item and just kind of talks about what the item is and it's it's from the view of the person that had the memory item and it kind of helps with the world building because some of them talk about what happened on their last day live some of them kind of talk about stuff that happened long before the apocalypse happened um, like one of the ones in the let's play i was watching was a radio announcer thanking all of her fans for all of the years of service um, there's one about a dog or there's mm-hmm. one about someone looking for his dog um, in the hotel there's three of them that have to do with the wedding and I think those actually tie into the
0: uh, old lady yeah that she. You say- oh, it- yeah I think I think the implication is that he's her beloved that she mentions briefly when you give her the ring. Yeah. Probably. It never that's right stated but
2: Yeah. And that's the beauty of these items is that they kind of help build the world and tell some of the story in this shattered world where you you're not really going to get a whole lot of the story. And there's two of the mem there's two stories in particular that one of them spans across um, like five or six memory items called, uh, I'm looking at it here, the, the Torn Picture. Mm-hmm. And that one is about a girl that wants to be a dancer when she grows up and a boy that wants to be a botanist when he grows up. And they talk about their dreams together and the boy is kind of so, so consumed with botany that he misses her dance recital, and they get into a huge fight. Um, He missed the dance recital because he was finding mushrooms, because um, he wanted to genetically engineer this plant that glows at night, and he was looking for these mushrooms that have bioluminescence, and this is important later. And she slaps the mushrooms out of his hand, and then goes upstairs and tears up the drawing that shows their dreams together, and doesn't talk to the and that night, she comes down with a fever and ends up paralyzed from the waist down. So basically, on the night of her first dance recital, her dancing dream pretty much shattered. And the story goes goes on later and talks about them graduating high school and the boy and the girl meeting up again and them kind of like... I don't want to say, like, apologizing for what happened, but kind of moving past it. But then realizing that their two paths have diverged so much that they just can't be friends anymore because he's going to go off to college to become a botanist and she replaced dancing photography and the last memory item now all these memory items at this point was from the perspective of the girl the last memory item was from the perspective of the boy much later in life he felt so bad for you know not attending her dance recital that um, he became an alcoholic and ended up missing a lot of his college classes, and it was implied that he got thrown out of college because of it. And he still continued to, to research um, botany and did end up making the flowers, but at a price because those mushrooms that he got basically caused an infection that caused him to get paralyzed too. And he realized that he um, – he realized that those mushrooms were what caused the girl to get paralyzed. And the last memory item is basically not only him kind of asking for forgiveness, but also t- talking about the flower and wanting to know what color it was because the whole thing of the story was that the flower was supposed to be white in the daylight but glow blue in the nighttime and it is a very that one was a very powerful story, and
3: mm-hmm. made
2: me very sad. And what made me even sadder is that I missed the last memory item the first time I played it. So I didn't even get that epilogue. Uh Aww. And not that bombshell that he was the one that caused her to be paralyzed in the first place. I just I knew that there was a last memory item, but when I played this, that was before Let's Plays were a thing, and nobody, the game was so new that nobody had really collected any of the memory item text. So I couldn't couldn't find it, and I couldn't go back and read it, so I just kind of looked it up on GameFAQs and it, it just said that the last memory item was from the boy and that he felt he eventually made the flower, and that was it. So That one was pretty sad. And then you get the one that's the seven colored bells. Mm
0: -hmm. The longest one. Yeah. And uh,
2: it spans over eight memory items. And this one is very long, but it just, I don't want to say it destroyed me, but when the thing happens at the end, I just, I had to put the Wiimote down and kind of take a breather. And the story of the seven colored bells, I'm, I'm not going to go into all of it because it's a very long story. But basically, a girl finds seven dead girls, and they each have a colored bell. And the girl takes is kind of lamenting that she was never accepted and that the other girls kind of called her mangy and kind of made fun of her. And the girl takes each bell and goes to that person's family and pretends to be that girl. And each bell has its own story with its own name. And each each memory ends with the girl saying the name. And I, I am Lot, the silver bell, and I am part of the old lady's family. And eventually you get to... You get to the last bell, and it and it's Maria, and she goes and poses as Maria to a guy, to to, to just some guy, part of her, Mar- part of that guy's family. And she goes to her shack where she's kind of hidden away all the bells, and finds out that the shack is on fire, and goes in to grab her bells and escape, but she barely makes it out, and. The guy who is Maria's caretaker finds her, and she begs that person to take the each bell and go to each family and say what happened. And each person comes—well, uh, the guy comes and sees her, and then she sees the old lady, and she sees the construction boss, you know, all the people that mm-hmm. she had posed as. And— that all the people that she, whose family she had posed as realized that she wasn't really there, the person that died, but that they appreciated that she tr- was there to comfort them even though she had lost the person that died. I'm being intentionally vague on purpose because the big twist of this is that this girl with the seven-colored bells turns out to be a cat.
0: Uh-huh. And you, you and- kind of get hints of it before because they say things like people pick her up. And Pat, uh, Petter, which, yeah, Petter, which, which looks is like, really yeah. creepy. <laughs> I yeah, there's some other slight, like other slight motion, like other slight notions, just like, and I know, oh, okay, so that's why. And she also mentions yeah. someone that she that she falls in love with, and that guy is of course the cat too. Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's just
2: really weird because you're going through the story and you're like, "How blind are these people? How can you not yeah, see huh? that it's this little girl?" And then once you realize that, no, it was a cat the whole time.
0: It would make it easier.
2: Yeah, it, it makes the whole story easier. But that that twist, that last line, "I was the luckiest cat that in the world.
0: world." Yeah, that hit me so hard. Just like, oh,
2: like, I knew it was the, coming, but it's just yeah, like, whoa. Yeah, it showed the cat, the, the artwork of the cat. At that point, the artwork of the cat shows up, and she's being cuddled in a towel and is all happy and stuff like that. And a, as a cat person, I just, I I had to take a breather. I set the, wee, the boat down, and I just, mm-hmm. I, I didn't cry, but I just had to, like, take a breath at how how that hit me it, it was a very it was a very M. Night Shyamalan what a twist kind of <laughs> but in kinda, a heartwarming sort of way but yeah in a heartwarming sort of way like oh uh, what the how were you thinking kind of way <laughs> mm-hmm. and I mean you know you can skip these memory items they they add they add nothing to the game gameplay wise but they yeah. add everything to the game story wise Because yes, and- they, they, they're just, they're touching, especially the, those two bigger stories, and even some of the one-off items just kind of give a glimpse of the world, mm-hmm. and it's
0: really special. And it's a bit odder for those last two, because most of the other items shed light on the happenings, or they explain the world, but these two seem to have nothing to do with the end of the world. Yeah. And I think the Seven color Bells ones, as I recall, the items vaguely looked like books, so it might have even been a short story of some sort, yeah, or some uh, kind of novel. I'm, I think they looked uh, like books, if I recall. Not yeah, that, they, not bell
2: they, they look like books, but then they have a picture of Bell on the yeah, icon, them. So, so I don't know, but I mean, I'm not kidding when I said that this game gives you feels, because even, even the memory items just tug at your heartstrings.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, this game may not make you cry, but I, I certainly felt like I, I kind of wanted to. Like, I kind of felt like I wanted to. Like, I, a little bit more, maybe.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know what it was. I, I felt sad that I wasn't, like... Devastated at some of the things. I know Crow made me upset. Um, P- PF made me pretty mm-hmm. upset. Um, I honestly thought I was going to cry at the ending because people were kind of building up, like how just how special it was going to be. And that one kind of didn't mm-hmm. affect me as much. So.
0: It's still yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah, still very much. Oh, and I, com- I, fr- forgot, I, I forgot to mention this section where uh, Seto finds a radio somewhere, and he hears people's voices, so many people's voices coming through the radio. They're all looking for other people. And it's like uh, who can tell how many people are left in the world, but there are others somewhere out there, and oh, maybe and- he and Rent finds them. Maybe. <laughs> and I, I, we almost forgot the other important side story, the mm-hmm. chicken man. Oh, right, the merchants.
2: Yeah, so throughout the course of the game, you meet a guy that's dressed in a butler costume with a chicken head on the top of his head. Yes. And he has a very kind of, hi, how are you? You know, He's not like the merchant in Resident Evil 4. It's more kind of a happy merchant. And whenever you get go to a bonfire, he has a chance to show up and sell you weapons and items and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And... Towards the end of the game, you find a room that's immaculately decorated with all of these toys and shiny things and stuff like that. And you see the chicken man without his head, and he's his head is kind of like a police light. It, it, they don't really show it very clearly, but the guy, the chicken man is a robot, and he's talking over a crib. And talking to his little princess and trying to get the little princess to smile. And it's very clear that this little princess is is a baby that passed away long ago. And the robot is trying to get the baby to wake up, not understanding that the baby has been dead for who knows how long. And as is kind of walking into the room, he steps on something and... Causes a noise, and the chicken man sees him and just freaks out at him. I think he's throwing he throws stuff at you and just yeah, screams I... at you to get out.
0: Yeah, I think he later he kind of apologizes and explains his situation. Yeah, Seto wants to tell him, you know, the baby is dead, but Sai stops him because you know I guess better for him to live in his fantasy then to be devastated by the news and yeah. you do actually get a hint that the chicken man's inhuman at the very beginning because when you first meet him you kind of see two glowing red eyes sticking out of the chicken the, like the mascot head's mouth mm-hmm. so at the very least he's probably not human and then later you find out okay he's a robot too yeah and I mean that, that scene is also particularly
2: unsettling just because of the implied dead baby and how yeah. bad he freaks out
0: at you and then
2: and you know he's with- going
0: to that knows how long, you know, trying to get this, you know, this, wh- wh- whatever's left in that crib to smile.
2: Yeah, it, it's very, I don't want to say disturbing, but it, it's very unsettling.
0: Yeah, unsettling.
2: And, and interestingly enough, there's a similar point in one of the later Dragon Quest games. I think Dragon Quest 7, where there's a robot that's trying to feed soup to a corpse that has been a corpse for ages.
4: That is 7. That that does yeah. ring a bell.
2: yeah. I don't think
4: Phil has reached that point yet. (laughs) Sorry. No, Phil will probably completely forget about it in his rage at the game
1: mechanics. Yeah. It's already forgotten. Okay.
2: It's hard to... I mean, I don't even think that one is purely a spoiler because you find out about it, like, right away. But um, we're getting a little off track. (laughs) I just... I'm always amused by these points that kind of – I play so many RPGs that I'm amused at storylines that kind of cross over like a robot that doesn't understand death. Mm-hmm. So –
0: Oh, no, um, I, I – yeah. Yes, I think, that, I think we pretty much summed up the story. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's uh, very – again, very well – this game's pro- – one, one of this game's strongest points, but was probably, uh, the other one being the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Throughout the game, but I guess we can get into that. Or should we get into that now, or just a a little bit after gameplay? Let's get into the gameplay because Mm -hmm. I I like to think of the kind
2: of the gameplay of this. The gameplay and the atmosphere is um, Silent Hill light. Like, okay, is mannequins and dead babies too creepy for you? But you still want kind of a horrific atmosphere with combat. Then Fragile Dreams is
0: the game for you. I mean, we say horrific, but it's it. The game usually tends to want to be eerie and unsettling. There's very yeah. little in the way of outright horror. There's, There's a no couple- jump scares. Uh, no, uh, at least I did. There was a one section where a dog, like I was going around a corner and a dog barked at me loudly, and I jumped out of my chair. So okay, uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> As I said, they don't like dogs. Apparently, the developers. Yeah, and but uh, the. Forget. The enemies the, are unset- like, the enemies are unsettling, but not necessarily outright scary.
2: Yeah, no, they're just. I don't want to call them nightmare fuel, but you might want to watch a cat video before you go to bed.
0: Mm-hmm. Just saying.
3: Gotcha.
2: Um, it, it's like, an.
0: Sorry, you know, just <laughs> it, saying, it, like the one that really creeped me. Out, like one that also creeped me out were like the the ghostly hands that reached out of mirrors. Oh the God! Yeah, no. And like Whoa. that. That
2: was a nope. <laughs> I didn't like that. Um, the other ones that unsettled me was the baby or the ch- child torsos.
0: Oh, with that no... was just, that was super creepy. Yeah, like they had a yeah they had like a wispy top, like a ghostly wispy top, and they ran around, laughed, and they were they hit surprisingly hard. That was right. Re- that was definitely yeah boring Don't they say like come find me or yes, uh,
2: something yes, like something yeah, like that. Is. That's very unsettling. Um, the mass creatures can be a little bit unsettling. Uh, the jellyfish with the smiley face surprisingly enough didn't bother me at all.
0: No, uh, I mean, I, I, they, they, they were a little creepy because they, they vaguely, because they're, you know, the tops vaguely looked like faces, but you know, they're, you know, they're, they're plentiful and they're easy to eat. So yeah, they're, they're basically this game slimes.
2: And talk about the combat system. Let me tell you guys something. When I found out about Breath of the Wild's combat system with weapon degradation, I was like, I
0: played Fragile Dreams. I'm prepared. Yep, that's uh, because this takes. I guess it's. I guess this. It's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, I don't know, weapon
4: degradation makes me think of Fire Emblem for some reason Yeah, but
0: it's random, and it's yeah. random and fragile because I guess the idea is that these things are who knows how long they've been sitting around so they're old and, you know rusted or rotted or something else and they'll break at random moments certain items are sturdier than others
4: Oh, random, you're making me think back to Dark Cloud, that's I don't think it even was random, but I remember the freaking oh. weapons breaking, that wasn't fun
2: Um, Interestingly okay. enough, Dark the let's play i was watching mm-hmm. the
0: first stick you get lasted that guy until the amusement park yeah i hear which... that initial stick can last it's pretty surprisingly long and um and obviously you to carry multi- you'll want to carry multiple items on weapons on you because of their how often they break though this is kind of annoying because seto gets a really tiny inventory which i guess mm-hmm. makes sense he's walking around and he's all by himself or he's going to keep all this stuff yeah, and it's the
2: Resident Evil tetris system mm-hmm. where you've got to kind of rotate things around and
0: shuffle. And you get the briefcase too, but I don't remember could you put stuff in the brief, briefcase? You could put, yeah, you could put stuff and take you could put stuff in the briefcase and take stuff out so you could stockpile on things, but you could only put it into your active inventory when at the bonfire, at the save okay. point. Okay. So obviously if you're in the middle of nowhere, then you know you could be in trouble.
2: Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember if it was like Breath of the Wild where you just had to drop stuff. But no, that that's a little bit better than Breath of the Wild, where you know it's like, do I get rid of this really cool weapon or what can I purge here? But um and a lot of the weapons have very different play mechanics too. Like I think you get a um a butterfly net that kind of
0: jabs at people. Yeah, there's a a few different basic types. You had the sword types, uh you had the, the spear types, which included things like uh like butterfly nets and uh brooms. brooms. Yes, brooms acted like them. Uh, there were axe-like weapons, I think, that were slow but powerful. I, I don't think you ever actually got an axe, but I can't remember what the items were like. You get a, a you get a like a very basic bow and arrow. Um, um, what I else? Know. I uh, think it was a, there was a, there were slingshots, I think, too. Yeah, and the, you got bamboo katanas. Reg, uh, real katanas, although uh, for some reason, uh, maybe not for some reason, but those were actually a lot weaker, despite how powerful they were. Those always seemed yeah. to break early. <laughs> And then heavy type weapons, like I think hammers and stuff. Yes, yes. And then of course you get your healing items too. Which are Um, items that who knows how old they are, but I guess he's got to eat something.
2: Yeah, and then another part of the gameplay that we forgot to mention is um, you use the Wiimote like a flashlight. So you actually point it at the screen and you can kind of wave it around and point it directly at things. And you get a couple of different flashlights, like some flashlights can stun enemies. Um, Mm Do you get one flashlight that uh, reveals hidden messages? Um, I think you get like a flashbulb to stun enemies too.
0: yes. Yeah, so some enemies, like, you need to expose them to light first. It's a little reminiscent of Luigi's Mansion that way. And uh, at, at, for that, the hidden message one, I, I, actually, this reminds me of this. There was this one room late in the game. Uh, it, it looks largely empty, but if you turn on the, 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 the flashlight that really was hidden messages, you see, like, scrawled all over the place, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, I don't <gasps> want to die. I must have like, missed that. Uh, yeah. I, I can't remember it was like a it was a pretty large like, I can't remember exactly where it was somewhere in that like that complex past the in the uh, the hydroelectric plant. Mm-hmm. Just like well that's on un- Yeah. That's un- <laughs> yeah. Um and I felt like the
2: you know this was in the era of Waggle where Everybody shoehorned Wii Wiimote controls into their game. But I really liked the controls in this game because they felt very natural and being able to point at stuff and actually get to like
0: see stuff with the flashlight I liked. Oh you know, yes, definitely added to you know, the immersion to the atmosphere. And it's probably helped that the like the actual combat, was just, just a simple like you know, a real time, you know, slash, slash, slash was just mm-hmm. a button press. You didn't have to like waggle the thing to attack with a sword. Yeah, I, I really appreciated games that kind of took a mechanic
2: like that with the motion controls mm-hmm. and made it you know helped with the immersion.
0: Yes, very um, much so.
2: Um other inventory items you could get was cat toys to befriend cats. And I don't believe that befri- befriending cats really did anything other than kind of helped you not feel so alone in this very lonely world.
0: Yeah, it just—it was just something. It, you got a sticker on the map for where you played with the cat. That was that was it. It was just another thing to collect. But, you know, it's adorable.
2: Yeah, I, I played with every cat, not only because I love cats, but because I was convinced that it was going to do something at the end. And it really didn't. But I still appreciated the cat the cat mechanics I always love a game with good cat mechanics and uh, the the meowing also came in through the Wiimote which oh, yeah,
0: that, it's just like oh there's a cat there's a cat where's the cat yeah,
2: yeah that's really annoying if you actually have cats because then you're like what the hell are you? one of you guys trapped in the closet oh no it's the Wiimote <laughs> okay yeah
0: no cats here so <laughs>
2: like, no that, that sound is what a cat trapped in a closet that doesn't want to be in a closet sounds like
0: oh wow but um, yeah, the closest thing I think that might do is prepare you for near like when you before you uh, seto meets Ren face to face because you have to try to earn that cat's trust and you get and food it. for it. So you kind of learn ahead of time how you get cats to play with you. And uh, on a random note, see, which the food you find has this kind of funny uh, writing on like tech flavor text. that says like this is cat food. Cats love it, but they can't open it because they're cats. <laughs> Oh, you guys! They clearly never met my cats. <laughs> they could open cats.
2: Well, it, b- bags,
0: yes. Oh, okay, they can. Right. It's my, a cat. So.
2: Yeah, my cats are. Will, will rip open bags and bring in groceries. and Don't put stuff up right away. But I, I digress. <laughs> and seeing that text reminded me. Um, all of the like set text that you see in the game is in Japanese and you have to point at it with the remote remote, and kinda look at it to see it actually translated, which I thought was a nice touch that they didn't try to sailor moon out all of the Japanese text in the areas.
0: Yeah, that was I mean it obviously was probably a lot cheaper to put a subtitle over it than it would mm-hmm. be to um, you know, change all of the text into English. And and all of it wasn't translated as I recall, which I guess would have taken too long. But, but yeah, obviously- I- that you needed for like the story or to, to progress was translated. And you or know, a the-
2: lot, a lot of it was just part of the atmosphere. Oh
0: well, yeah, a lot of it was just like posters and signs and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think. Drawings.
2: I think the key takeaway with this game is the atmosphere. I think it is, it's one of those games that just nailed being in a very dark, lonely atmosphere and. And at some points unsettling, and the other points kind of beautiful, like at the hotel or at the um, abandoned amusement park, or that one spot where you come out of the where the dam is, and
0: you're going across that huge dam, and you could see out into the canyon. Yes, they, again, very, very nice art direction. You know, surprise, it's, the Wii is not exactly a powerhouse graphically, but it's you know, it, it's it's used really well here. Yeah, you you kind of. You know.
2: You kind of hardly notice that it's on inferior hardware. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and yeah, very like you know, mel- oh, the moon during the, since there's a lot of night scenes and obviously the title is farewell ruins of the moon. The moon is all, all, pretty much always full, I think. And it's huge in the sky and it really adds to that sort of lonely, melancholy feeling. And when you complete key story points too, then you get into some of those animated cutscenes that are very stylized. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's almost like it's it's silhouetted, as I recall. And then yeah. Seto, an older Seto, because it's Johnny Young Bosch doing his older voice instead of his kid voice. Oh, I did <laughs> not. Narrates. No wonder that voice was driving me crazy. You didn't? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Seto's Johnny Young Bosch. <laughs> That's why he sounds familiar.
2: You would think that as much anime and video games as I've played, I would know Johnny Young Bosch's voice like the back of my hand. But <laughs> l- lately, I think Matthew Mercer is the guy that I hear everywhere now.
0: Uh, so <laughs> yeah, because I think Bosch, I think Bosch, is be doing more quote I guess important, better paying. I should say stuff. You yeah, you rarely hear him in like uh, non-union video games and anime stuff these days because he's getting he's actually getting paid decently, like Troy Baker and I think Laura Bailey is. Gone, gone to that too. Sad to yeah. say, she's one of my. Favorites. Well at least I, Matt Oh hey, least actually, Matt will Laura, still be around. Oh yeah, he's still he's still around. Some of them have some way to like be part of the Screen Actors Guild and do non-union stuff. I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they don't all do it. But there you go. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, and, oh yeah, uh, but yes, uh, actually, uh, uh, Laura Bailey's in this game too. She's Chio.
2: Okay, and yeah, the sound design in this game is really good too. the vo- The voice acting didn't made me want to tear my ears out and. You can still switch it to Japanese if you prefer. It's dual um, audio. Yeah, just for a wee game. I, I tend to play games in English just because being a radio performer, radio person myself, I like hearing the voices I'm used to. But I mean, if if English voice acting is particularly atrocious, I'll switch it to Japanese. Uh, I I just prefer the English. Oh, but it's good. In, it is good in this
0: game. Competent at yeah. and usually pretty good.
2: Yeah. And and I forgot to it make note work, that. I, should say. I forgot to make note that all of those uh, sound novels through the memory items are also voiced. Which big ups on Xseed because I think they could have easily kind of cheaped out on that, and I'm glad that they didn't.
0: Or just me left them all silent, which would have been a yeah, shame. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Now, I just looked at Adrian's review for our site, and he mentioned that some of the uh, the text on some of the graffiti, say, or what appears to be optional stuff, it wasn't all translated. Yeah, I Is mentioned that... that
0: earlier, that it wasn't oh, all sorry. translated. Okay. Again, they translated what was important to the story or important to progressing. It would have been nice to read all of it, but you know what? It's flavor text.
4: I missed that when Skype froze on me. Sorry.
0: Ah, uh,
2: yeah. And then getting into the rest of the sound design um, a lot of the sound effects sounded really good. Um, I don't remember. Is there music when there's not
0: ba- a battle going on? Uh, no, I, I, at least I'm, I'm trying once in a while, and it's usually during like an event. Like there's music that plays during when I said I was trying to catch Crow and get back his locket. There's like a, a, a like a sort of a wistful tune that plays, uh, but. Pretty much, there's only music during battles and during scenes. There's almost yeah. never any music, which actually the the silence really adds to the atmosphere. Yeah, settles all alone in this empty, you know, empty world, the remnants of a collapsed civilization. You know, why would there be music in the background? This silence really complements it very well. Yeah, and
2: then when you get in, do get into a battle, you hear this very creepy, unsettling tune that really adds to kind of the tension of the fight. Mm-hmm. And most of the battles are pretty you're never going to get you're probably never going to get jump scared in this game because the music kind of kicks in just a little bit before whatever ghost shows up that's going to make your life miserable but I forgot what I was trying to say <laughs> <laughs> But this is a the, the uh, battles. So, I, I think the,
4: you were trying to say that people are unlikely to be scared out of their wits by the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Even I mean, again, I got jump scared by a dog, but <laughs> but, uh, but even then, it's you're not going to get. It, it's not that kind of game. It's not meant to be terrifying. Just unsettling yeah. and creepy. Oh, yeah, but and- the boss. But the few boss fights have, like, these really eerie, louder music playing, too. Yeah. And the, the very last boss fight against Shin, it's actually a very sad, tragic-sounding, yeah. which is kind of, like, you know, it's not what you expect for a boss fight, but it's really fitting. And I do recommend trying to play this game in surround
2: sound if you can, because, like, all the ghosts and stuff have very echoey sounds to their design, and just, just the idea of kind of hearing those ghosts behind you in your surround sound or hearing them next to you, whatever, really does add to the atmosphere, too. Um, I, if you can't tell, I really like the sound design in this game, too. Just, I, I love it when stuff sounds creepy to go with the rest of the
0: game. Uh, yeah, yes, very, very well done. And uh, uh, touching upon the music, it is very... I mean, it, it's got a, a small soundtrack compared to a lot of RPGs. It's a short game. So I guess Mm -hmm. that kind of makes sense. But it is some very beautiful music. A lot of uh, piano pieces uh, with some other instruments strewn in and very effectively used. Uh, Very And even the openings and the endings are gorgeous. Uh, The the
2: chicken man kind of has a happy, (laughs) bouncy tune to kind of break up the, I I don't know, the tension a little bit. Um, The music that plays when you're uh, chasing around crow is very happy Mm -hmm. and bouncy which kind of adds to that scene, which by the way, I forgot to mention this in the gameplay that mini game where you have to sneak up on crow. I got so stuck on,
0: uh, that was annoying, yeah. I, uh, what I what actually got me stuck longer was the very beginning of that ghost girl you meet early on, you know, playing Eye oh. and Seek with, but that's because I thought she would have to be able, because you're like in this weird abandoned building that had like barrels and machinery, and I mm-hmm. thought she was going to be, a, had to be attached to a barrel or a machine, but no, she could be in the middle, just in the middle of the room in the seemingly empty air. So oh. it took me forever <laughs> to get that until I realized, oh, wait, no, she. I can't just click on empty air. There she is. Yeah, I I think I ended
2: up having to game fax the Crow minigame. And okay. what was particularly annoying about that was that you have to crouch down in the teacups. And he starts wandering around wondering where you are, even though he saw you crouch down in the teacups. <laughs> and then you have to either sneak up, I think you have to like wait for him to get near to keep teacups, and then sneak up on him and grab him from behind. But he, this robot must have been trying out for, like, to be a Metal Gear guard, because he can hear you coming from a mile away, and it's very random when you're actually going to catch him. And I played this game when it was brand new, and, you know, I thought, okay, am I doing something wrong? Am I not going to be able to continue until somebody else figures it out? And then eventually I just grabbed him.
0: Yeah, you gotta do that three times, and then. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let me think, but yeah, yes, yeah, some very, but it's very lovely, very lovely music. Um, uh, probably my favorite is called. I mentioned. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, something called Trust. Uh, when Crow dies, uh, the last boss theme, Nuisance, is very nice. Not- oh, there's a there's this, It's not really happy, but it's melancholic. Uh, it's called. It's uh, called Together with the Moon. Uh, it's a very simple. It's a very simple piece, but very nice. I think you hear it during that early on Ghost Girl scene, who never gets named. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me think here. Okay, so we mentioned we got, went into gameplay. Uh, I guess. Oh, I guess a, a slightly annoying thing that this game kind of takes the realism, maybe, arguably a bit too far, because when you back, you have to backtrack for items. You have a lot to travel through, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a, a, a port in a sewer where you're climbing up this really, really, really tall ladder. To get to a place and he's just like i think it's like five literal minutes of climbing this thing and, and there's longer. and there's no snake eater music to break up the monotony is there <laughs> nope just it's silent. so he's just climbing and climbing and just like okay when is this thing gonna end
2: well at that point you just need to pull up snake eater on your iphone and
0: just <laughs> I pretend i guess <laughs> And, uh, uh, and, and another minor thing, you don't just get money in this game, you get items you have to sell to the merchant for money and those take up space, and that's annoying. And, and that ties into the story too because that's what the merchant is trying to show the dead baby to get her to wake up. Yeah, but it'd be nice to be a separate item and not something I, that you to constantly, you know. I,
2: I, I know and I understand. I just, I kind of liked how oh, the, no,
0: that, yeah, the how
2: tchotchkes that. that you sell tie into the story.
0: Yes, that's true, that's true. Again, there, uh, so, again, this, it's it, arguably this sort of, like, harder ha- like these like these more awkward parts of the gameplay add to it, because the uh, the, this, the battle the battle system is kind of simple, sometimes awkward, and it makes sense, because Seto's just a kid. He doesn't know how to wield, wield a weapon. He's just kind of, you know, whacking at things with a sword and somehow hurting ghosts. And uh, actually, going back to the interview, it's implied the reason he can do this is because that blue crystal is a special computer able to reveal the ghosts. I, I don't um. know how that works, but there you go. Yeah, that, that interview was uh, what's his name again? Uh, But yeah, it was was an interview like two months after the game in Dengeki uh, with the game's producer, and he revealed all sorts of stuff, like again, the grandfather being Shin, Uh, he reveals that Sai and the Shin that you know are AIs, that the strange mass creatures are also simpler AIs that want to continue the glass cage project. Mm -hmm. But there's some stuff he kind of purposely is vague on, like I don't know how... He like he doesn't know how Psy's body got transported from some an unknown lab to that hotel. He doesn't know who Seto's parents are. And he isn't quite sure what happens exactly at the very end, but he implies that human I think he says that like humanity will never, you know, become the dominant species on a planet again, which okay, thanks. That's depressing. Society's not gonna go, come back from that disaster.
2: Yeah.
0: But, but again, but you know, uh, but yeah. I don't know what to go what <laughs> to say from there.
2: I mean, I know we spoiled the hell out of it, but th- mm-hmm. this is a game that's worth picking up on the Wii if you can find a copy. Um, it's one of the better Wii games. It's one of the—it's certainly one of the few Wii RPGs that were on that system. But it's
0: worth playing. Yes, it's a—it's a very beautiful little game. Um, maybe somewhat—it can be somewhat difficult to play because it's—you uh, know—it can be a little—a little obtuse here and there. May not always, but it's a great experience. And
2: I, I don't deny that the combat system can be a little bit obtuse and a little bit frustrating, especially with that bro- breaking weapons mechanic. But I don't think the game will ever put you in a losing situation because if if I recall, don't enemies
0: drop money or drop money items that you can? They drop. I think they even drop just regular items. Uh, yeah. Even did they drop weapons? But they always drop, They would sometimes drop food and drop money. Yeah. And you work. do level up we forgot to mention you do level up. Yeah, he he gets stats. It's still a, I mean, it's an RPG obviously. Yeah. Well I,
2: yeah. I at at first I honestly it it's been so long I honestly couldn't remember if you leveled up in the game or not, if it was just pure uh breath of the wild, you're sticking a man out to save the world. But um Leveling up kind of helps in that there is an area later on in the game where you can actually respawn a bunch of enemies several times and grind to kind of get you over the hump where yeah, it, yeah. an alarm sets off.
0: Yes, uh, which can actually be kind of frustrating if you want to get through that as quickly as possible. Like, oh, uh, yeah. A couple of years back, I was playing when RPGamer were still doing those year ofs. Uh, we played Fragile for uh, you know that year of one hit Wonders since indeed it's a one hit wonder. And, uh, it's like, I was trying to finish that before Halloween, before the end of Halloween, and it was just frustrating me, but I, I got through that before, to finish it before, I think it was, like, technically November, because it was well past midnight, but I did finish the game. Oh, that, that feel when you want to finish a game, like,
2: before bed or whatever, mm-hmm. and you hit that brick wall, and you just want to put the Wii remote
0: just through like, the TV. like, this game is short, why am I taking this long? <laughs> but yeah, and, uh, it was, oh, and, uh, but, but yeah. And I guess one minor one is say I say this is a one-hit wonder, but this Fragile Dreams is one of the few games I feel doesn't really need a sequel. No, uh, it really doesn't. It, it's it's self-contained. I mean, I guess they could do something like a different part of Japan with a, entirely different characters or something, but but why? We we've seen this story. We see what the world's like. We've had this mm-hmm. experience. A port would be nice, but
2: um there
0: is a manga adaptation. Yeah, if... it's a, yeah, and and there's like a and like a continuation of the story sort of and I, I don't know how, like, how canon it is. Uh, as I recall, it ends with Seto trying to find Ren again because Ren ran away because she can't get her medicine anymore and she might die, and that might tie into the end of the game since she is implied to have died some time after. And so, I, th- okay. I think the main bad guy comes back as a cat. Yes, yes, he's reincarnated as a cat because
4: is, the- is he a bad cat now?
0: No, he's he's regretful for his actions.
4: Okay. Uh- I mean, we were talking about how much this game clearly favors cats over dogs, so that would be out of character.
0: Again, some of the memory items are focused on dogs. There's another one I think was the dog's collar, where the dog is—actually, there's two of them. One has the dog trying to cheer up his owner. He's He's looking up and saying, why are you sad? He tries to lick away his tears, but he just doesn't understand, but he's trying to comfort him the best way he can. And another one where the dog is hoping its owners come back home. It doesn't understand where they are. Where did they go? Oh God! It's Jurassic Park all over again. Oh no! <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's not like they. It, I guess they didn't completely hate dogs, but there's no nice doggies wanting to play with you. They're all like mangy. they're there's like there's like there there's these mangy looking mongrels. There's these massive, massive mastiff looking ones, and there's these black dogs that and their eyes are on fire.
4: Literally, or they're just really, really red.
0: Oh, they look like they're on fire anyway.
4: Okay, that sounds. That does not sound like a very friendly dog.
0: No, oh. and again, one of these things made me jump out of my chair. So. Well, maybe they could have put one nice dog. In yeah, they could. Instead of, yeah, instead of just leaving it to the memory items, but but there you go. But yeah, they love. But yeah, developers definitely love cats. Uh, so is there's anything else we can touch on, I, I think we pretty much covered everything.
1: I think this is where Phil has to look up the prices. You did not yeah. cover everything. Oh, you did not cover the price. Oh, okay. So I found I found a, a couple of copies here under forty bucks. You know, after shipping and stuff. Would you all say it's worth forty bucks?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But our gamers demand the best. Our gamers want the shrink wrap version, brand new. They want to be able to peel that wrap open and smell it, and they want to know that they're getting the best brand new copy. So they only want the highest price I could possibly find. So I have managed to find one for $109 and 95 cents plus $7 shipping and handling.
0: No, not worth that much. Yeah, if you really want a drink drop, but I don't see what's wrong with a $40. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you know, you, it's you just telling
0: about all the good feelings in the
1: story and stuff. Isn't that worth a hundred and some odd dollars? <laughs> uh
2: I don't know. And you know, interestingly enough, I think some GameStops
0: still have e-games You might be able to get lucky and still find one of those. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, I remember it's still relatively, rel- I mean, it's relatively easy to find, as I recall. But at least on Amazon, it's easy to get. Yeah, it,
2: yeah, it's that's... no Xenoblade. That's for yeah, sure.
0: Yeah, that's
2: for sure. Uh, I was talking about how how quickly Xenoblade shot up in price because it got rare.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like uh, I see. I don't think this. I don't know how well how well this game sold, but I doubt it was very much. Uh, there was some fan clamor, but this game flew under a lot of people's radars, which is sad. Yeah, according according, uh, let's see here. According to the
1: GameStop uh, Finder, there's nothing in Utah close to me that has it. If you can find it, they are selling it for for thirty five dollars. So. And twenty seven ninety nine if you are a Power Up Rewards Pro member. Uh, and while you're buying that, they'll also ask you if you want to sign up for some magazine subscription, video game insurance, and uh, and and whether you want programs. to become a member of
4: the GameStop Club so that you can get receiving exclusive offers and all the wonderful reminders that GameStop needs your business every day.
0: And their credit card. Don't forget their credit card.
1: Yeah, yeah, their credit card. Uh, and their new life insurance program they're rolling out. Uh, so why not? Uh, but anywho, uh, that is Fragile Jersey full of warm, fuzzy feeling. And a lot of
0: sadness and your tears.
1: Pricks the heart and brings tears to your eyes. The ladies uh, give this two thumbs up, it sounds like, if I can put words into their mouths. Uh, cool. Well, thank you, ladies, very much. Of course, that means we're now going to segue into the some other segment. We're yeah. going to be right back <laughs> after these commercial messages. So we had a long debate, and we decided to go ahead and do Blast from the Recent Past as our next segment. Uh, we haven't had one of these in a while. That's where we dive back about a couple of years ago. We pull up the releases from around this time a few years ago. And uh, and then we, we, we just talk about them and whether or not they're worth pulling out your backlog or maybe if you haven't bought them maybe going and buying them now that they're probably going to be on sale and that sort of thing or maybe you bought them and you should just use them as a coaster. So we've actually got a lot of games to talk about today so we're going to just jump right into it uh, the first one I have here on the list is the Elder Scrolls Online this was developed by Cinemax Online Studios published by Bethesda uh, released on all kinds of platforms Windows, Playstation 4, your Xbox One uh, it came out uh, on Windows April 4th 2014 14 and later on on the PlayStation 4, June 9th, 2015. Uh, this is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game uh, experience, and I'm the one who played this particular one. Uh, my wife and I actually played it together, and it, it's, it's it's big. It's an MMO. It's huge. And it's... It- feels like well, you played it with your wife Does, was it a good bonding experience you know it, it was because as we all know a family that slays together stays together uh, so yes no uh, it has a lot of you know for an MMO uh, when it first came out it had a lot of problems and I did not run out and get it when it first came out because I did have family members who did and try to talk me into it uh, but if you saw like I don't know Angry Joe's review or a couple of online reviews videos on it it had a lot of issues at launch and and especially since it's carrying the pedigree of such, you know, awesome games like Skyrim and um, Morrowind and whatnot, it was a huge, huge letdown. But they were, you know, kind of similar to Final Fantasy 14. They worked really hard on it, uh, updated it with a lot of stuff, addressed a lot of the issues head on. And about a year later, I went back and checked it out. Uh, they were releasing, I think, one of the expansions or a big content update caught my attention. And so I went back and looked at it and and, and people were talking a lot more favorably about it. So that's when my wife and I jumped in. One of the cool things about it is that you can buy the game and you don't necessarily have to pay a monthly fee. Once you bought the game, uh, you can log in whenever you want. If you are paying a monthly fee, there are some quality of life improvements, more storage space type of thing that's available to you. Plus it gives you these monthly points that you can use to uh, buy different types of aesthetics and whatnot for your bounce and, and what have you. But the gameplay itself is pretty cool. It's somewhere between, for me, it's somewhere between Oblivion and, and Skyrim. It's not quite as good as Skyrim, but it feels a little bit uh, better than than Oblivion. Uh, there's a lot of storyline, even right from the get-go, as you would expect from an Elder Scrolls game. Uh, there's a lot of set pieces, and, and even just the beginning area has you um, uh, trying to hold back the forces from evil from the beginning island I start off with anyways I think it's somewhat based on your race and uh, by the end of it basically having to help evacuate the entire thing uh, it definitely utilizes a lot of the um, more uh, newer technology so that uh, you in, instancing and phasing and as such so that as you're making changes in the story or you're making decisions uh, it's going to be reflected in front of you uh that was one of the problems back in the day though, is because that tech that wasn't really super done very well. So you'd be playing with a friend and they would see something completely different than you, um, and you wouldn't be able to play together. Uh, it works better now, though that sort of still happens from time to time. It's got a huge deep crafting system though that you may want to get into, uh, again, just like you'd expect from an Elder Scrolls games, and um, it's just it's just a, just really, really deep. Uh, so a lot of fun and and unlike let's say World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV, again doesn't have that mandatory monthly subscription thing if you're looking for another mMO uh and you want to try something different uh, I think it's a pretty you know it's a pretty safe bet to go ahead and and give it a shot and try it. uh We spent probably a couple of months in it before we put it on the back burner.
4: so it wasn't as addictive as some people seem to be to wow.
1: Well, no, but to be fair, I'm not your yeah. I'll, uh, full disclaimer: I'm not a huge MMO fan. Period. It was just something to you know that was kind of like, oh, Shirley and I can play at the same time, so why not? But um, uh, left to my own devices, I do not gravitate to, so because they are big and huge and grindy and very, very time consuming. And one of the other games on this list that we'll talk about later on already consumes enough time on its own, so. Yeah, but if you are liking in MMOs and you, you know you tried some other ones or you're getting bored of the more popular ones, and you're looking for something different. You know, give it a shot because it doesn't require that monthly investment <laughs> to to enjoy it. And that's what and I kind of like MMOs that do that. Guild Wars is another one that does that, where you can buy it, play it for a while, put it on the back burner, and then go back and visit it a week here, a week there. Um, you know, and just fart around with it without having to reactivate a monthly subscription. That's why I never go back to WoW anymore, because I don't wanna sink another fifteen, you know, bucks into it and then forget to, <laughs> you know, cancel it and yeah. So hmm. So there's that game. So uh I you know you can get that you can get that pretty cheap. I'll look up some prices here in, in just a minute. But let's move on to the next one on the list so you guys aren't sitting there awaiting Uh, While I'm doing that, the next one I have is Kingdom Hearts HD 2.5 Remix developed by Square Enix, published also by Square Enix. This was released in North America on the PlayStation 3 December 2, 2014, but the high-definition remix that we're talking about today was uh, released on the PlayStation 4 in North America. I believe that's what we're talking about today because it's years ago, March 28, 2017. This is a single-player action role-playing game collection experience. And I believe Miss Kayen has a few things <laughs> about this game. Games. Yeah, game collection. I,
2: yeah, so um, I had just marathoned the entire Shin Megami Tensei series, and after I'd finished four, Wait, I was like... "No, all of it? Yeah, one, two, three, and...
4: Four. Oh, okay, I thought you yeah. were including all the spinoffs.
2: No, just the main numbered game. And after I rolled credits on four, it was like, okay... I need some freaking levity because those games just are depressing as hell and bleak, and I need to play something colorful. So I pulled out um, Kingdom Hearts one point five and two that year and played through all th- Well, I all four Kingdom Hearts games in chronological order as an as part of the timeline. So Birth by Sleep. Uh, what's the timeline? The crap. Birth by Sleep, Kingdom Hearts One, Chain of Memories, and then Kingdom Hearts Two, and Birth by Sleep and Kingdom Hearts Two is on that 2.5 collection, which is really weird that you have to play them like that because because of how they released them. Because Kingdom Hearts One and Chain of Memories is on 1.5, and I wish that they would just put these games in the proper order. But I just
1: I So so so. All I know is that when I do get down, because I have the one point five and two point five combined collection, whatever. When I finally get to that part of my backlog, I am so calling you up so you can walk me this. Um.
2: Yeah. You, you can if for some reason I'm not available, like I'm asleep, and you're like, I gotta play Kingdom Hearts right now. You can
4: wait, Kelly. Do Do you have a recording that is ready to go to? relieve phil's worries that it that'll go for an hour or so explaining the deep kingdom hearts mythos in a way that he will be able to comprehend without question
2: i don't mm-hmm. have a recording but luckily youtube <laughs> has done the job for me and they have done the job in a 20 minute recap i think an hour long recap and a three hour long recap so pick your poison <laughs>
1: Ooh, and that's some deep stuff.
2: but yeah, um so two point five does birth by sleep and two, um that's the way to play birth by sleep is birth by sleep was originally on the PSP and trying to play an action well, I mean, you guys are monster hunter fans. you can attest trying to play an action RPG on the PSP is just is it conducive to life? and Birth by Sleep on the PS3 kind of fixes that, so that you get the right analog stick, you get the extra shoulder buttons for controls and stuff like that, and Birth by Sleep is fundamentally a really, really good game, and because it's the beginning of the timeline, it doesn't really get into all of that bloat that the Kingdom Hearts series has become, and I... I, I can say pretty confidently that Birth by Sleep is my favorite game in the series because of it. And, and the fact that you get uh, Mark Hamill and Le- Leonard Nimoy talking to each other because they're both voice actors that talk, that their characters interact. And it's just kind of neat hearing Luke Skywalker and Spock have a conversation.
4: <laughs> Which will sadly not happen again because Leonard Nimoy is of dead now.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, I love Mark Hamill's characters game.
4: I can't help but think of him as the Joker when I hear him voice act, but that's just me.
2: He does a very subdued Joker. It's it's hard to explain. It's like it's the Joker voice, but it's a very cuz he's playing uh, Equus, the keyboard master, and it's a very calm, uh stern master kind of voice, but it's the joke that's all I can hear is the Joker. So, and then Leonard Nimoy plays a bad guy. Oh wait, but that would be spoilers even though the guy in it is very, very, very clearly a bad
1: guy.
0: Obviously evil.
2: <laughs> like that bald guy with the yellow eyes, he, he he can't have anything wrong with him, right?
1: No, not at all. He's innocent.
2: And yeah, the, the worlds you go through are pretty neat. You go through Sleeping Beauty's world, um, Tron Legacy, Lilo and Stitch. Oh, what else? Um, kind of a Disney Toontown type world.
4: Where's my Sword in the Stone world, uh, where I can participate in the sh- in the shape shifting contest between Merlin and that witch?
2: I don't know. I mean, I can't. I'm not one to talk because I would kill for an Aristocats world with a Sora Kitty and Thomas O'Malley. But that's just me, and not everybody likes that move, So I'm kind of a minority here.
4: It's not my favorite, but. I certainly didn't dislike it.
2: <laughs> no, what I really want that would be incredibly meta and brain breaking is a Wreck It Ralph world.
4: Hmm. Yeah, I don't see that happening anytime soon.
0: Oh, um, I, it could happen. There's enough. Uh, there's it's enough. There's enough original titles in there that they, they could just focus on them and not any of the cameos. I know, but Beta for I, sure. But
2: it, I, it's and not and con- not have any
4: Capcom or Sega or Namco properties show up.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you you could set a. You could set a Wreck-It-Ralph world and Sugar Rush and maybe the main central station with just generic video game characters and you would be fine. Why I want a Wreck-It-Ralph world is because of how good, just how brain-breaking that is. Like, how would that work? They know they're in a video game, but they're video game characters. But I digress. That And then Kingdom Hearts 2 on that collection. Well, it's Kingdom Hearts 2. we I think we've been over Kingdom Hearts, at least at some point, on Backtrack. And then there's Kingdom Hearts Recoded, which that is just the uh, cutscenes for that game, which was originally a mobile game, which I didn't even bother watching the cutscenes for that, because I guess the only tie to the entire series is some letter that he writes. So um, I do think that 2.5 was an HD port, but nowadays I'd recommend probably just getting the PS4, in because you pretty much have everything... Well, except for two point eight, which is a uh, dream drop distance, and yeah,
1: I think it's uh, from some of the reviews I saw. It also loads a lot faster
2: now. Oh yeah, which yeah, is,
1: like I mean a lot like good because it took the PlayStation Three apparently had long, super long, irritating loading times.
2: Yeah, um, I don't remember that, but that was years ago, so load times don't really bother me because I just grab my phone and look at the winning.
1: I know, so. right? Um, yeah, no, loading times only bother me in like the, like the games like the PlayStation version, the PlayStation 1 version of Ogre Battle, where the loading times were long, but they were so frequent because it would happen every single battle. We, we're talking lots and lots of battles, kids. We're talking like every time you're out of a battle, you're about to get into another battle, and it would require a loading time, whereas the original game on the SNES just, you know, Anyways, I digress. Sounds like you had a lot of fun with it.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love the Kingdom Hearts series, but that's because I don't think too much about the overarching plot. I care more about just visiting the Disney worlds and Sora and Goofy and Donald.
1: Yeah. I I would I would uh I would agree with that. Um that was the that's what I liked about the first game. I did not care for the 2 hour tutorial, but the, I like visiting the different worlds and the such, so... Uh, and hey, I was one of the silly people that liked the Game Boy card game, whatever that one was.
2: Um, I didn't mind the card game, it's just that card game is so obtuse. There's systems in that card game that are not properly explained at all. Yeah,
1: well, who needs to explain that stuff? Uh, yeah, you can always figure it out through trial and error. So you would say people should go out and get this and not turn it into um, a coaster for their coffee table. <laughs>
2: Um, the only way I could recommend the p s three version at this point is if you see the collector's edition out in the wild
1: for very cheap, but i mean and that's the, how I the playstation four version
2: yeah well i recommend i recommend the p s four version unless you find the collector's edition of p s three version out in the wild for a decent price because that's how I ended up with my copy. i was at a half price book and books and they had it for uh like 20 bucks and I was like okay I'll go home with this because why the hell not
1: it's probably a a good time to get on that because uh isn't there there's a new one coming out soon right
2: uh they said 2018 I'll believe it when I see it
1: there you go hey there's there's
4: a whole 10 months left in 2018 by Square Enix standards that's positively uh plenty of development time
1: well Uh, Speaking of uh, seeing, and maybe there's something you don't want to see... Uh, or at least be seen in public, uh, that brings me to Demon Gaze. That's a heck of a segue. Uh, this was developed uh <laughs> Demon Gaze for the PlayStation Vita, developed by uh, Kadawaki Games, Experience Inc., uh, published in North America by NIS, released here around, I guess we're doing some catch-up for some of the games we skipped over uh, in the past, but this is nor- released here on April 22nd, 2014. A, uh, what I like to call a DRPG, a dungeon crawler role-playing game. I do love my... DRPGs um, even, even if, when they beat you the way they beat me they Strange beat me Journey a... did oh gee strange I did enjoy the journey it was the ending that final boss that painted my ass. Anyways, not going to go there. Going to stay calm. Got to talk about Demon Ga- Um, So, yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of tougher dungeon crawlers. And so, the first thing I always look for in a DRPG is I, I do, when I read the reviews, I'm, I am reading as far as the difficulty can be because uh, these things can scale really up, especially the ones that are inspired by uh, wizardry and the such. But Demon Gate, Wait,
4: Phil. Some game comes to mind here that was inspired by really early wizardry. That yeah. we both played. That was a dungeon crawler, mm. but we shan't speak its name. Everyone knows what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely uh, not. That uh, Car- Car- wire. Yeah, yeah. carc wire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that close that, enough. That game whose name shall not be spoken. Anyways, uh, no, no. But uh, uh, so uh, Demon Case uh, was, you know, was kind of uh, kind of marketed, uh, at least from what I read, as something that a little bit more of a beginner friendly. Uh, dungeon crawler. So uh, I went ahead and grabbed that. Uh, a lot of anime influence, uh, you know, manga characters and, and what have you uh, galore. You are playing the role of a demon gazer. And I, I the, you're basically spending most of the game inside of it. And that's where you do all your shopping, your resting, your interaction with the other characters. You're not in a town or anything like that. You're either in the inn or you're in the dungeon. Uh, and so It was a little bit hard to get an idea of the scope of what kind of world this game really takes place in, because you just really got those two locations. The dungeon, of course, is broken into different areas, you know, your forestry and your lava area and, and everything else, but... Uh, anywho, uh, there's, there's evil afoot out in the dungeon and, and, and it's being perpetuated by demons and you're a demon gazer. You can capture demons. So go out and do your thing. The the, thing with DRPGs, they don't generally have a really earth shattering story. There is uh, some character interaction as you're going through the dungeon levels and you're coming back to to town. Certain cutscenes will take place. And this is the part where, you know, maybe I wish I could unsee a few things, at least maybe people looking over my shoulder because I was in an airplane playing this and I go back into the inn and there's this unexpected you know kind of a cutscene thing and it has to do with the innkeeper la- lady who's becoming you know who's feverishly hot. And like, like in a fever, and so they have to take her clothing off. And, and I, I'm sitting there in an airplane, and this happens all of a sudden. You know, all kinds of people just standing around. I mean, it's dark airplane; they can see what's on your screen. And I'm like, turn it off, turn it off before I have some parent, you know, uh, you know, getting upset behind me or whatnot. Uh, that, that kind of took me by surprise. Uh, it's not complete nudity, but it's it's enough to make you uncomfortable in public. So keep and- that in mind.
2: Have you not perfected the Vita sh- downward shift? You kind of play with your Vita pointed
1: down? <laughs> I didn't expect it. That was a thing. Like, it came out of nowhere, um, <laughs> that first scene. Now, once that scene had taken place and realized that that was a possibility, I made sure when I went to the end, it was down. It was in an angle <laughs> towards the window. You know, uh, but the dungeons themselves—you're just fighting uh, these creatures. So the the gameplay itself, uh, there, are th- there are these big dungeons with traps, twists, turns, uh, everything you would expect from a good uh, dungeon crawler. Uh, the combat's pretty solid there. Uh, you get to pick your party, what classes they are uh you get to you know put a point into an attribute every time they level up so there's a lot of customization uh but without the depth that you would find in some of the wizardry inspired games uh that have been coming out that suddenly just escaped my mind class of heroes it's not nearly as deep or as difficult as class of heroes 1 or 2 um uh yeah so but uh it, it does have some cool quality of life improvements if you put in all your commands and you just hold down the button It'll keep repeating those commands so you don't have to keep putting them in and the battle will go very, very quickly. So it's very easy and fast to grind. If you're going from one end to the dungeon to another, you've been in a dungeon you've been in before, you can actually go into the map, choose where you want your character, and they'll auto map the, you know, the party will walk over there. Uh, and, and maybe hit some random encounters along the way, but but continue to press on as soon as you're done with those fights. the The boss battles can be pretty challenging. I got my rearing kicked once or twice, but reevaluating my strategy, remembering to put, you know, make sure to put up my buffs, buffs the next time. uh, Pretty much took care of most of those issues. Towards, I'm guessing I'm probably, I still haven't beat it. I'm guessing I'm probably in sort of the final dungeon, and and at this point, it's getting long in the tooth. Uh, and this last dungeon is huge, and I can't figure out where to go next. Despite the auto-mapping uh, system, uh, there's just so many little jumps and warps uh, and the such that I'm kind of getting uh, a bit lost. Uh, It's—I do miss. I will say I do miss Etrian Odyssey's draw map system. It uses a complete auto-map system, and you can leave some little notes here and there, but it's woefully inadequate. Whereas with Etrian Odyssey you could use the bottom screen and type in a bunch of little notes, leave yourself little icons, you know, and the such to help yourself navigate through some of the, the larger, more complicated things. Uh, so, um, but, but I, I think if, if I just either Googled up the, the maps or I just really just sat down put my mind to it, I could probably get past this. Um, the, so overall it, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, I would say it's like on our, you know, RP Gaber scale, I, I give it like a 3.5, um, it, it's not something that you need to drop down and pay. There's definitely better dungeon role playing games I could recommend. But if you're looking, you mentioned <laughs> Etrian Odyssey. Yeah, and Odyssey again. Um, or I mean, hell, I still love Persona Q. Uh, I know chibi characters, but there's so much fun. It's so it's such a Wait. good combat system. Hey. Wait, the
4: Persona Q was also. Made by the Etrian Odyssey I know,
1: right? It, it just takes the awesome combat system for Persona, puts it together with Etrian like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, it's even a better combat system than a Persona game, actually. And I could get into that, but that's another show. But... um uh, but, but if you, you know, on the Vita, um, uh, it is, there's a lot of dungeon crawlers on the Vita, to- Tokyo, whatever. I mean, there's just a ton of them, dungeon role-playing games. And a lot of them are pretty, there's a, there's a number of cheap knockoffs and there's a couple that are kind you know, pretty good. Um, I would say Demon Gaze is probably in the top three, you know, maybe number three on my list on the Vita. So it's worth checking out. We will go over prices uh, well, again. Well, what you've end. said
4: is definitely more appealing than Stranger of Sword City,
1: yeah, that's the other. Yeah, Stranger of Sword City. Boy, I tell you that that one is brutal. Uh, that that that's definitely one of those things. And you know what's problem with some of these dungeon role playing DRPGs is that they confuse difficulty and and that old school difficulty that some of us like with not explaining game mechanics and not giving the player information and having obtuse systems. That's not, uh, yes, that was part of the old dungeon role-playing games, but that wasn't the fun part, you know? <laughs> That's not fun, boys and girls. Keep what was fun, which was, you know, good des- dungeon design, uh, you know, complex maps, uh, legitimate difficulties and battles that make us use good party composition and, and good tactics in-, in combat, and get rid of the... Uh, the stupid, obtuse game systems that require me to literally have my cell phone open with notes the entire time to figure out what the hell I'm doing here. Uh, no, Phil. Doing these dungeon crawlers should be work. You yeah. should
4: feel as if you need to be paying close attention or else you could get fired at any moment.
1: That, yeah, and, and that, that, that's the thing. Like a lot of these dungeon crawlers, it doesn't even matter your you're paying attention. They just don't even bother to explain you really have to to go and, and hope that someone's written up a good FAQ on it um, to, to know what the different game systems are in here underneath the hood and that's a you know that's something I find extremely you know frustrating. I don't want to feel like I'm at a job doing research uh, when I'm playing a game. Demon Gaze, uh it does not explain all the statistics and the things underneath the hood but it doesn't have that much going on you know in the combat anyways you have your spells and your skills and for the most part they do what they you know what they advertise. Um, if you want to min-max your characters well, uh, then yes, you're going to probably spend a little bit of time online trying to figure out, is it better for my dual swordsman to have better agility rather than better strength, which I did look up. And like, here's an, like, this is the kind of stuff that could drive you crazy if you don't have, because they don't explain this instruction book with a two-handed character. Once you get above agility, 25 Better agility helps you use your second weapon with better efficiency. However, plus, after 25 agility, there's there's almost no returns on it, right? So at that point, you should start putting it in the strength so you're doing more damage with each hit. The game never tells you that. You would just keep putting points into agility, and because the numbers are so big and obtuse, you would never figure out that you're not getting anything back for those points you're putting in. And once you spend them, boys and girls, you don't get them back. That's a typical old school drpg you know deal um demon gaze thankfully limits those problems to just a few because it's not that deep of a game so it it really was never that big of an issue for me so there you go demon gaze
2: uh let's see Yeah. See, Phil, back in my day, oh, even having a map system was considered bad. And oh, if yeah. you're not mapping it with graph paper, then you're not really DRPGing.
1: I know, and you're right. You are not <laughs> dedicated enough, Phil. You're absolutely right. That's what makes that Dream Odyssey so good, because you feel like you're drawing on the graph paper, like back in the 80s, right there in you your know? DS. You know,
2: never mind that back then, you probably would have been able to have the graphical power to handle a map system, which is why you had to do that. But I digress.
1: Now, the first mapping system I remember is the Gold Box series, and it wasn't really an auto map. You either had a map turned on or you didn't, and it didn't show doors. It just showed a bunch of square boxes where the rooms were at. It was horrible. Uh, But yeah, okay. So the next game on our list is Brandish. Uh, an action role-playing game by Nihon Falcom. Now, this was originally developed way, way back in the day uh, for the um, whoa the PC Engine CD-ROM in Japan on June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. Then later and I on... have not
4: played it, but there was a Super Nintendo port yeah. in ninety five or 95, so. Ninety five, yep.
1: Then I uh... have seen enough
4: footage to say that. You are probably better off not playing that version unless you have a strong stomach. And I don't mean because you will be seeing disgusting things. Actually, I think I think you looked this up once, Phil, and you were feeling sick just watching the screen magically shift around.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. Uh Yeah, oof. Seasickness. <laughs> Uh, and, and then, but of course today we're here to talk about Brandish the Dark Revenant, which was the remake released in North America on January 13th, 2015, a single player action role-playing game. Um, and I believe this was, was it, uh, what system was that on, Mike? PSP. PSP. Uh, So digital download here, of course. Ah, digital download. (laughs) We we weren't
4: getting any fresh physical PSP releases from (laughs) XSeed, and we weren't getting any period... Unless you count Gaijinworks Works and Victor Ireland eventually managing to get Summon Night Five out, <laughs> and I don't mean, know, I don't.
2: You mean me sending forty bucks and just praying that I get my PSP game within the next millennium?
4: What, now? Why would you ever think that you might be waiting a long time, possibly forever, for something from Victor Ireland?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, even think I would have learned my lesson the first time.
4: Well, Victor Ireland thanks you for your donation.
3: Yeah.
4: Okay, Brandish the Dark Revenant. Based on the limited footage I have seen of the original versions, this is definitely the best version if you want to play Brandish, because Brandish has a unique mechanic. Your character is always facing forward, no matter what. It is the screen that moves around. And yes, that can be very disorienting when you first start the thing. <laughs> So it's kind of like it's a, a first-person view, except it isn't. <laughs> it's a th- it's an overhead view where the dungeon just shifts 90 degrees every time you m- move left or right. Having said that, it is also a dungeon that is principally meant for you to explore and find your way around, <clears throat> and it is not meant to be accommodating. There is a story here which is let's see you are a guy who fell down a hole and you're being chased by or alternately chasing a scantily clad magician who seems more bumbling than evil and you just keep going deeper into the dungeon and finding oh dear horrible things happened here and eventually you have to get out of there at the 30th floor which is the bottom really the story even in this version is not very large it's typical Falcom mid-90s story where Falcom wasn't putting a whole lot of time into the stories at that point. Instead, you will be navigating the dungeon. You will be taking advantage of the fact that you can save at every step because there are lots of dangerous nasty enemies. They're not intelligent, but they hit you very very hard. You will be learning the ways of the pits that will drop you back to floors you've already been on or cause you horrendous damage. You will be learning the ways of the spikes that jut out. You will be dealing with these annoying enemies that chase you around the screen until they get out of their assigned tracking zones and just lay off, which is nice because you desperately need to heal and you can't very well do that while you're being chased and something is trying to kill you. You will be finding the hidden walls. You will be going through... Even now, kind of obtuse puzzles that I had to look up game facts on because, ugh, how did it, how was it so unobvious, guys? You will be fighting things. You will be probably dying a lot. I certainly did.
2: Is it randomly generated? No. Okay.
4: Every floor is set, but you will probably find you map out each square by walking on it. Okay. And, yeah, you can you can jump, and sometimes you will want to do that to avoid the pits. But, yeah, it's, it's not going to show you things, for the most part, unless you stumble into them and find them the hard way.
2: Oh, uh, okay. It sounded randomly generated to me, but... No, it isn't. That would probably just make it
0: worse.
4: And once I got accustomed to that mechanic where it is the dungeon that moves, not your character's position... It was kind of enjoyable. I can't really call it a great game, but if you were in a nice old-school dungeon-crawling mood, which I kind of was, and it's not really action. It's one of those pseudo kind of roguelike where if you just sit there, everything else will sit there, too. You have to take an action, and then they'll, they'll take an action to correspond with you.
2: It sounds like someone took an old-school dungeon crawl or an old-school rolled roguelike and made a freaky baby
4: yeah that fits i'll go with that
3: <laughs> whether or not you we want, needed and this if you,
4: and if you want to upset your stomach just look up brandish on super nintendo footage on youtube and look at how the screen it does not spin around it just magically
1: shifts 90 degrees yeah, you do not want to do that on a full stomach. I'm just, I'm just giving you a warning now, boys and girls. Just, just don't.
2: Yeah, I've seen gameplay of this. One of my, fr- one of my friends actually just used to do like mini let's plays where he would just like play ten minutes of a game on YouTube, and he stopped after two minutes and was like, "Screw this game. This is awful. Uh, why would anybody subject themselves to this?" And. That was it. And yet, oh my god, there's a long place. Somebody played this SNES version for three hours. They must have a stomach of steel.
4: (laughs) Probably. Or, I don't know, somebody took a whole bunch of Dramamine beforehand. Who knows? But yeah, even looking at it in a small YouTube window, your stomach will probably give a lurch. So yeah, if you are going to play Brandish... I highly recommend doing it with the PSP version because it will not make you feel like throwing up your stomach contents with every step.
2: The music is so pretty, though.
4: It is pretty, and it, it's typical Falcom, and then it's a very well constructed game once you get into the mechanics. Just don't come to it for the story because this was this is not story centered. It's dungeon exploration centered. <laughs>
2: Certainly don't go to it for the beautiful graphics as far as the SNES version.
4: Uh, no. Everything's way too small, and then there's that... Mm, that that, that lovely motion sickness-inducing movement. But, no, on the PSP, it does look all right. It's never going to win any prizes for beautiful graphics, but I got into it, and I appreciated how the different parts of the dungeon have very distinct looks. I mean, the first part even reminded me a little bit of Labyrinth for some reason. I can't even fully explain it. You'd have to play it for yourself to understand. So there. It, it's not exactly a full-hearted endorsement, but if you are in the mood for an interesting dungeon crawler with a unique mechanic, I don't, you won't find it anywhere except in a couple of subsequent brandish games that never came out in English anywhere. This one is kind of worth your time. I got into it.
1: Cool. Like I said, we'll do a, a price wrap up here at the end. uh and we'll talk about how you can get your well, very own one copy. Is, this one is
4: digital only is in English. So.
1: Got, the, got the PlayStation Store price all ready to go. Boom, I'm back. You're not going to look up
4: the Japanese price so that anybody who demands a physical copy can find one?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no. Uh, but what I will do, because okay. I don't want to hunt for that. I'd rather hunt for monsters. And that brings us to Monster Hunter for Ultimate. Like that's see, oh. I'm all about the segues tonight. Boom. Boom. This, was mo-
2: this was the Monster Hunter that finally made me cave on Monster Hunter. I played the demo and ended up really liking it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so let's uh, let's give it a credentials. It says a course developed and published by Capcom, released here in North America on February 13th, 2015. A single-player and multiplayer action RPG experience for your Nintendo 3DS system. A little bit better Uh, There is a new version of the game uh, that was released alongside the new Nintendo 3DS, uh, I think, from what the notes say here. And I do know it works good on my new 3DS, and I've seen the side-by-sides as far as loading stuff like that. And a couple of graphical uh, upgrades there, so. Anywho, uh, and and most importantly, Circle Pad. uh, Yeah, or camera control native little nub right there. I don't know how you guys played this back in the old days. Where you didn't have the right little nub to control the camera. God bless your hearts. The claw, the cl- the left shoulder button, a lot to zoom in on the monster. Anyways, Monster Hunter. For, I, in case you you know haven't heard of Monster Hunter, it's a game where you go out and you hunt, 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 hunt monsters. Uh, lots of monsters. And this kind of equates to basically boss battles. The monsters are tough. For the most part, there are little monsters, and sometimes you want to go on and kill a handful of them for a quest or for some uh, some some parts or whatever have you. But the main core of the gameplay is going after the big boys uh, and all kinds of different monsters, from uh, from lizard monsters that are hopping all over the place and spitting acid and and the such at you, to the big huge spider witch monster chick, whatever she is, that put me to sleep. Uh, she poisons you, of course, puts me to sleep, then comes over my poisoned sleeping body cocks her head a little bit to one side as if to study me from it to make sure that i'm fast asleep and then takes her big huge claw like whatever paws or whatever they're called legs and just dives them right through my middle guts yeah that was disturbing uh and then you know wraps you up in webs if you're not careful uh all kinds of creeps all kinds of all over the spectrum and uh and what you do is you go and you beat up on these monsters starting off the small ones you have 14 different weapons to pick from this is the, this is probably the, I mean, this is Monster Hunter 4, right? The f- fourth full entry, but of course there's a lot of entries in between. Uh, so they got 14 weapons that are pretty well honed down. They're pretty well balanced. Uh, they're, they're all got deep combos that, y- whether you go with the fast uh, twin blades that make you feel like a, a rogue zipping in and out of combat really quick. Or you go for the slow but heavy hammer that when you hit a monster on the head, uh, you can possibly KO that monster for a while and, and give yourself a huge opening to do all kinds of... Uh, but there's a weapon there for just about everybody. Uh, three long-range weapons, the bow and the, and the two uh, bow gun So there's a lot of different th- toys in the toolbox to play with. Once you picked out your favorite toy, you go out and you beat up your first small monsters. You skin them, you take them back to the blacksmith, and you turn them into new armor. Now you can take on bigger monsters. Rinse and repeat. Kill big monsters, take them back, have them turn into new weapons and new armor. And and nothing says you're a badass like the fact that you just beat that big huge rock creature, and now you're wearing him. It just, it it doesn't get any more satisfying than that. But on top of that, you really do feel like a hunter because in, for the bigger hunts, you're going to need to prepare. You're going to need to scavenge to the land for mushrooms, flowers, ores, bones, anything that you can turn into, potions, traps, um, uh, gr- grenade flash bombs, whatever, uh, bugs You know, that you turn into flash bombs, all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's knowing what tools to take into the battle that can make this game exciting. If you're having a problem with the poison sleeping... You know, which spider lady, make sure you bring some antidotes, for example. Uh, Maybe you farm up a previous monster whose gear gives you resistance to sleep, so she can't put you to sleep as often. And so if you don't have lightning reflexes and dark soul skills, you can make up for that with proper preparation. Uh, So it is is tough, but it is fun. Uh, It is deep, and it doesn't do a good job of explaining itself. And the scary thing is, Monster Hunter 4 is probably the best game up to that point in explaining itself. And it's enough to get new people in. It was enough to get me hooked. Uh, but, you know, once you start getting into it, you're like, you're going to you're, you have all these different options, all these different armor sets. How do these different systems work together? What do some of these skills really mean? And that's where you start looking stuff up online <laughs> at the end of the day. And I know I just, I don't like looking stuff online. And that was probably the biggest barrier of entry for me for any of the previous games up to this point and hell even when i first played four i put it down for a while uh because it i just i I felt lost but if you stick with it you're gonna find an experience like no other but did you feel that way too
2: Yeah, I had to put it down after a while because even though I like the game, I was getting too intensely frustrated with some of the fights and not being able to pause and that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, I kind of need to play something else for a while because I'm getting way too intense with this game. I don't want to say frustrated or angry because I like the game, but something about it was like, Bringing out my inner Call of Duty player, I guess.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? Like it does? You, like it's single player? It lets you pause. Um. You, but you're talking like multiplayer.
2: No, I. How do you pause hit the, the action? Hit,
1: hit, this, hit the hit the start menu, and that brings up the that brings up an options menu that doesn't actually pause it. But the, the you just press you just go to the bottom, which you do easily oh, by pressing right. up, and it pauses the game. Right. Yeah. Or you close I, the I, lid. Closing I, the lid still works.
2: Well, I mean, as we've established, I have cats, and my cats like to j- get in my lap wh- or try to crawl over me while I'm trying to DS.
1: Aren't they cute? And
2: and they was doing this during, like, really intense fights, and I was getting way too, too mad. Like, I would never scream at cats or anything. It was huh. more like deep, calculated breaths. Because, I, 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 you know, as a gamer, I inst- the second something blocks my view, I instinctively hit a pause button. And when that doesn't work right away and I'm in in the middle of something intense, it just ramps up the tense. And at that point, I was just like, "Okay, I I need to put this down in place. This game while I'm loving the crap out of it is frustrating me too much.
1: It is intense and there is a lot of obtuseness, you know, to it. There always has been. And different games in the series uh, have addressed some of that stuff. Uh, there are a lot of quality life improvements with Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. However, there's still plenty there that can still easily frustrate you. And makes you makes you wonder why they don't make some of that stuff easier to address. Like a one button pause in single player, as opposed to having to open up the menu and okay. choose pause or close the lid. Uh, that seems like a simple fix. Uh, but there, you know, the, and like I said, the game doesn't do a great job of explaining itself. Why the hell not? Why is there not deeper FAQs within the game itself? For something that's so deep, we, we obviously, you know, can fit a lot into a cartridge. Text is no longer an issue on a cartridge. Uh, you know, so, uh, definitely, uh, you know, definitely, uh, some, some things there that are, are a bit frustrating and was later addressed in other games, uh, Monster Hunter World, but, uh, you know, but here's the here's the really cool thing about Monster Hunter Four. Obviously, Monster Hunter. This is a timely discussion because Monster Hunter World has come out, and for the most part, people are loving it. They're enjoying it, and it's pulling in friends that have never even knew what Monster Hunter was before. I've got friends of mine who are first person shooter players, sports game players, never you know talk RPGs with me, and all of a sudden they're being drawn into my world, and it's awesome. But Monster Hunter World does have its limits. It's not the. It's you know. It's it's a whole new world, and it it's got limited monsters, limited armor. It takes you only up through high rank, and so that's kind of. a, I have gotten to some of my friends and say, "Well, have you thought about getting a 3DS? Because Monster Four Ultimate is is that full experience? It's it's a much bigger, much larger." Overall experience. Uh, obviously, you take a huge step down in graphics and environmental interaction with Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, but you get a a much deeper, longer, uh, much many more monsters. I love the variety of monsters in Monster Hunter Four Ultimate. Uh, it's just all over the world, uh, bored. and every rank that you play, you're being introduced to completely different monsters. Uh, the Konga monster. He's a he's a gorilla that farts on you. Seriously. Oh, yeah and it <laughs> and it's deadly gas it really is deadly gas um but yeah it's always throwing something different at you and it's just it's just so much fun uh, I, I would encourage anybody who would you know who likes Monster Hunter World, uh, or or just like the idea of hunting big monsters. You like you know games like Dark Souls that are more action oriented, but are looking for some more RPG elements as far as how you're truly building up your skills and your character. Um, with Monster Hunter, you don't level up. All of your skills and stats are based basically on your armor and your weapons, which gives you more incentive to go out and kill you know, these monsters and the tougher monsters so you can basically gear up and become stronger. Uh, but with different monster armor sets have different skills. And now that's a whole another deep system that we could do a whole podcast on. But the whole point is you get to make your character how you want by you will have to do some googling, but do a little bit of research, find out, you know, which armor has the skills you want, and then go and hunt for that thing. And it's awesome. It's very satisfying. So highly recommend uh, Monster Hunter uh, 4 Ultimate. Moving on, the last game on our list. Yeah, something to say there? Oh, I
4: was just going to say that it sounds almost like you and Mr. Apps might have an episode devoted to Monster Hunter in the future. But no, you, you probably can't talk about it for much longer.
1: No, that's pretty much all I had. I just, I just blew my wad all in that one five-minute chunk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could definitely do a show. After four. Um, and, my, and hell, Mike, Mike is the, the pit ultimate Monster Hunter fan of our staff. He's played monster hunter one where you attacked using the right analog stick that's right boys and girls pressing up swings your soul (laughs) yeah are we
2: we talking monster hunter one on the ps2 yeah
1: Yeah. oh
2: that's old
1: oh it is old school and if you if you really want something fun especially if you play monster Hunter world just go back and watch some youtube videos they actually had i found i watched an interesting one with the catcom staff playing monster hunter the first (laughs) monster hunter it was awesome Uh, any, you know, and that, you know, that's the cool thing, you know, with YouTube, it's a link to the past games. And that brings us to Legend of Zelda, a link between worlds. Boom. Legend of Zelda, Link Between Worlds, developed by Nintendo, published by the same, released here in North America on November 22nd, 2013, a single-player action-adventure RPG experience for your Nintendo 3DS system. Now brought to you in stereoscopic 3D. Who wants to talk about Zelda?
2: Well, I mean, it's essential, it's kind of a spiritual sequel to Link to the Past, and which it
4: feels like at every moment I remember that Yeah, it it very much channels successfully the feel of Link to the Past
2: Um, it has the same art style just in 3D most of the map is the same with just just enough differences that it's not a direct one-to-one map but you know Kakira Village is still in the same area the huge castle is still in the middle that kind of stuff And
4: And my principal memory right now is that I got completely absorbed into it just the way I was with The Link to the Past and the way, you know, I have, I'm not too much experienced in the rest of the Zelda universe after that one, but this one did it and I just couldn't put it down until I was done.
2: Oh, I, I loved every aspect of this game. Um, it's one of the few games that I actually was disappointed that I, if, if I couldn't play it in 3D because the 3D and it worked so well. Um, just really pop out kind of interesting 3D that actually helped you with your jumps and helped you kind of gauge distances and stuff like that.
4: I... I may have tried the 3D but I usually just don't turn it on because then if I don't keep my head in the exact right spot which is a pain then it the effect is lost.
2: Do you you probably have an old 3DS don't you? I do. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I think I just got my um new 3DS for Christmas. No, no, wait no, that was a birthday, sorry. Um, I kind of got to be honest I kind of got you just ha- I, I have a pillow that I would just kind of prop my 3DS on and just play it that way and because that the 3D never really bothered me that much but then getting a new 3DS uh, helped too but yeah I know I, yeah, I no, that's
1: that though that, you're absolutely my wife would just would get seasick off of any sort of anything even polygons would get her seasick but the new three, 3DS does so much of a better job it's buttery smooth yeah, I, would,
2: I would never give anybody crap for not wanting to play because it can be a little bit mind-brain-hurting, but yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the other big thing about this game, not only was it uh, a sequel to one of the most beloved Zelda games, but for the first time in a long time, it was truly kind of an open-ended Zelda game. There was no Dungeon Order.
4: Yeah, there's a dungeon order in A Link to the Past, in in the light world at least, but Mm -hmm. once you do the first one in the dark world, you can pretty much go in whatever order you want.
2: Yeah, which which is kind of interesting, and at first I thought I wasn't going to like it, because it's like, okay, well, what's the point of dungeons? But some of the dungeons do have hidden items to upgrade your sword and, I think, shield?
3: I
4: think, yeah.
2: Yeah it, it's sorry sorry it's been a while I can't remember exactly what they were but I know that some dungeons do have items to find and it seemed like it was also one of the first Zelda games in a long time where rupees actually mattered. And encouraged to collect a whole bunch of them, because not only could you buy the weapons, because at first you could only rent them, and if you die, you lose. And then you can save up the money to buy the weapons, and then later on you can save up the money to buy enhanced version of all the weapons. So you have your, you you have all of your Zelda staples: your boomerang, your fire rod, your bombs, your arrows, and that kind of stuff. And then the upgraded versions of them, like, I think one of them was a triple boomerang, um, super bombs, I think a triple arrow, uh, an enhanced version of the fire rod. I can't remember what else was there, the ice rod.
4: I'm going to have to, I think I have to play it again because your memory is much stronger than mine right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while and I'm due for another playthrough of this game because it's one of those ones that, yeah, it's when you're in between games, it's just kind of fun to pick up and play again. But um,
4: And it, it channels A Link to the Past well enough that I wouldn't mind playing it again more or less every few years the way I used to do with A Link to the Past. It was just very rewarding to do that multiple times.
2: Okay, I've got a list. You've got... The Magic Hammer, the Boomerang, the Bow, the Sand Rod, the hook shot, the Tornado Rod, the Ice Rod, and the Fire Rod.
4: And many of those were, shockingly enough, in a Link to the Past.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sand Rod is new, and I think the Tornado Rod is yeah, new. Yeah, those are. Everything else is pretty, pretty standard. I'm sad that the Invisibility Cloak didn't make it into the sequel. I always loved the Invisibility Cloak, but... It's neither here nor, nor there. Um, another difference between this and Link to the Past is that there's uh, better fast travel. That anytime you go find a windmill, the bird statue, that's what it was. Anytime yeah. you find a bird statue, you can fast travel to it. And the bird statues are your save points. So yeah, no saving anywhere. You've actually got to go to a save point. So the save points really got on my nerves because I I never shut off my 3DS. I always keep it in sleep mode. And every freaking time I went to save, that bird is like, hey, you've been playing for a while. Maybe you should, maybe you should take a rest. I'm like, don't tell me what to do, bird.
1: <laughs> Nothing's worse than a game that thinks it's your mother.
2: Yeah. There were
4: a lot of Nintendo games in... The three in early 3DS years that did that. Hey, I, don't you think you've been playing long enough? Isn't it about time you take a break? Nintendo decided to be our virtual parent for a little while.
2: It's it's not ending anytime soon because Fire Emblem Warriors gave me a little bit of sass because last night on the title screen, they were like, wow, you're up awfully late.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. I wonder if they like have a programmer that's a mother and she just sneaks that stuff in.
2: I don't...
4: I, lo- um, I love being judged by the games I play, don't you?
2: At least everyone Dunge-
1: enjoys it. That's what at, I look for in a game that I play.
2: Judging. At least, at least in Dungeon Keeper, they were kind of sassy about it and said, You know that soft pillowy thing in the other room? You might want to go investigate it.
3: <laughs> but, Snark.
2: Yeah, but th- at least that was a little bit more soothing and sarcastic and not just flat out. Telling me I should go rest, but um, see what else about Link Between Worlds. I I loved finding the Mice. You probably aren't remembering the Mice.
4: No, I'm not.
2: Um, they were the little squid children that you could that were there was a hundred of them and you had to find all 100 of them and that's how you upgraded your weapons. So if you found 10 of them, then the mother Mai would uh, upgrade you, upgrade the weapon of your choice for you. And I think one of the best parts about the Mai Mai's was that um, she had one of the best songs in the game. And as you found more of the Mai Mai's, um the song would get more elaborate. S- seriously, you yeah, YouTube I, it.
4: I am remembering a little bit of this now, but not too much more than, yeah, I found a bunch of them and it was necessary in order to unlock the, the weapons. And um, sorry, I got distracted because... I heard sirens in the background. I'm trying to make oh. sure no, but nothing close to me is burning down.
2: But it, the, the Mai my is really an, um, encouraged exploration because uh, you could hear them chirping in the world. So it's like, okay, where are they? And, you know, sometimes they're stuck to a wall and sometimes they're under a pot and you really kind of got to search around to find them. And then when you find them, you know the sound that, Link makes when you find something the da na na na. Yes. The my the my mice make the sound too. They squeak <laughs> to the sound, which is just a neat little touch. <laughs> and I I love games that do that that just put in neat little sound cues.
4: Yeah, you're making me want to experience it again. I might just have to do that soon.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's not that long of a game. You could probably blow through it in like a week, maybe maybe more, maybe less. I mean, it depends on how completionist you are. There, There's a lot of stuff to find. Um, there's a lot of heart containers to find. Though, the one where you have to play the baseball batting game is a nightmare. I don't know if that's triggering any memories or not.
4: No, not at present. I probably just experienced it once, said, I don't want to, and stopped. But... I do remember my my overall vibe for the game is what's coming through right, very clearly right now, which is that I had a blast playing all of it and it was the first Zelda game that had done that to me since a link to the past. And, you know, I hadn't, I haven't played any 3d Zeldas because I didn't usually own the necessary hardware, but still I, I know yeah. Sam Marcello would also chime in and agree on this because she has said that she is not a Zelda fangirl and yet She did get into A Link to the Past, and I don't know if she's managed to play Link Between Worlds yet, but I'm pretty confident it will get, it will addict her the same way, which Mm -hmm. is rare for her.
2: Yeah. You know, I I, I know why it resonated with me. I'm remembering when this came out. Um, It was like a month after my dad passed away, and this is the game that my husband got for me for Christmas. And I distinctly remember pretty much every game I played in that era because those were the game that kind of kept my those were the games that kind of kept my mind off the grief and I know that link between worlds one of them um, the other one was Final Fantasy 14 where that's pretty much all I did for like two weeks straight just to kind of get my just to calm down after dealing with crap like funeral preparations and that kind of thing
3: yeah. so
2: I know, kind of sad memory, but that's how my brain works is what I use to kind of cope with those sad things. And because of that, I remember a lot of games getting me through really crappy times in my life, and Link Between Worlds was one of them. Fair enough.
4: Yeah. And we're not not doing a whole show on that one yet. And I don't think Phil wants to chime in on Conception 2 for some reason. (laughs)
1: No, no, we're passing that one up, boys and girls. Uh, we're not going there. See, I don't really like that one. No, the only thing, the only thing I want to conceive now is how much all these awesome games cost. So, Elder Scrolls Online, uh, depending on what platform you're getting that on, like on the PlayStation for Xbox One, I'm seeing that for under twenty bucks on Amazon. So that does it a- have a monthly fee though? No, as I said, you can choose okay. whether or not you want to jump into that uh that's up to you you will get you know crowns that you can use to buy aesthetic upgrades and and the such uh didn't feel like there was anything in the shop because you know i perused the shop didn't feel like anything there that was game breaking or i had to have it or anything it was mostly just ooh, it makes your horse glow in the dark uh but uh and maybe a couple of quality of life there was like loot boxes everything's in the loot boxes these days but this was all stuff from what i understand that you could just go and farm yourself and who cares uh kingdom hearts yeah uh, I, I, I the, the thing that first came up when I did a search for this was the, the, uh, it has both the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5 remix uh, in one box for forty five bucks. So you're basically getting what four games and a couple of movies, mm-hmm. I think. So mm-hmm. not a bad deal. It sounds like you uh, Demon Gaze fan lovers out there, uh, that is twenty nine dollars and ninety cents might be a little bit cheaper on the PlayStation Store, but I'm just looking for the actual physical cartridge when I can. Th- those Bra- games
2: go on sale all the time on PlayStation Store.
1: Yeah, they do a pretty good job with their sales. Uh, you have to check into it, or you have to subscribe to some sort of news feed that, that caters to that. Now, the interesting thing about Brandish the Dark Revenant, $20, playable on your Vita or your PSP, but here's what's awesome about it. It has a perfect five-point star rating.
2: What? Really?
1: Yeah, Really?
2: Of course, it also has
1: two reviews. <laughs> hey, you get... I wrote a review for our site, and oh, oh,
4: I didn't write it for PlayStation Network. That's my problem. Yeah, Oops. yeah,
1: yeah. So it's got a perfect five-star rating from two reviewers. You get the feeling <laughs> not a lot of people bought that game and went and reviewed it. Uh... I think XSEED
4: made the right move in not putting a physical release in North America then.
1: That, that might have been there. Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate Standard Edition. Uh, that was a little bit harder, but you can still find uh, new and used copies starting around 35 bucks after shipping. Uh, now, that's a, that's one of those games that you can actually buy that in the 3DS store, uh, and I have seen it on sale for as low as $12. So it just depends on wh- what price point you want to get that at. One of the things that was interesting when I searched for Monster Hunter 4, as soon as I was typing that in at the, to run a price search on it, the first, que- the first thing that comes up is, can you play it solo? Uh, and I forgot to talk about that just really quick because that is a common question because it is obviously clearly a multiplayer experience. But the answer is, apps loot yes, you can play it solo. The game has different hit point values and stuff for solo versus – in fact, it's got basically entire modes that are solo only. And entire modes that are meant for multiplayer, but you can play them by yourself, where the monsters are going to have those more hit points. But it's up to you if you want to dive into those solo. But you can absolutely play through the game solo. That is totally a thing. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. But anyways, it's about 35 to 40 bucks if you're going to buy it brand new on a cartridge. Legend of Zelda Link Between Worlds 3D is $40 still. Uh, um,
2: yeah. I just looked on Amazon, and mm-hmm. that just went Greatest Hits.
1: Oh, Greatest Hits. There you go. Oh uh, yeah, there it is—twenty bucks for greatest hits version. So, yeah. but of course, our viewers demand the best. So, <laughs> I found an original shrink. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and so, yeah, you can get that one pretty good price there. Unlike Majora's Mask, with a mod bucks, you never find Majora's Mask on sale. I'm uh, sure
2: that'll. I'm sure that'll hit greatest hits at some point. At
1: some point. At some point. Just Anywho, not this point a really good uh, final lap there we were definitely make our final lap i mean um last from the recent past definitely making up for skipping that segment a lot of times in the past so uh we're gonna take another break and wrap this up with a quick uh, final lap we'll be right back We have returned. This is the final app where we do all kinds of kitchen sink stuff. And. Hey, Phil! I just noticed something that was posted in
4: the news today. Chrono Trigger was released on Steam today.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Yeah? And look at the wonderful visuals. You can tell Square Enix put
1: all the effort in. Oh, now you're going to make me look this up, aren't you? Chrono Trigger. Only the most professional podcasting here is you hear me typing away at my keyboard to pull this up on Steam. Oh my gosh, it's already out of the gate with 122 reviews, averaging 2.5 stars. Boy, you know you're in for a shit fickle of a port when you can't even get past the Google search. Why does it need my birthday to look at Chrono Trigger? There is nothing PG about... (laughs) I mean, come on, it's Uh, Chrono Trigger.
4: Because they... uh... That's something new. Square Enix added uh, a really enticing Isla figure that you unearthed with a, a debug code. I don't know. Um, As everyone knows, Super Nintendo sprites are so amazingly stimulating that they can cause teenage males to go crazy.
1: I, I guess it's, it's seeing, you know, Marley there in stunning 16-bit uh, pixels that just just arouses some sort of erotic fantasy. I I don't know, but uh, so, okay, so I'm looking at the screenshots that they have posted here, and it looks like it's just the SNES game, but somehow a little bit worse, maybe, unless I'm just...
2: It's the iOS port, and supposedly the graphics in the iOS port are pretty bad because they kind of tried to smooth out the sprites.
1: Yeah, that, that's what it looks like. It doesn't look – yeah, it looks kind of a little bit fuzzy, murred a bit, like almost like a paintbrush type of thing where they just smeared the pixels together like a bad aliasing job. Um, I mean – Yeah, that's not, that's not bueno. But lots of yeah. negative reviews here on St- – Holy cow, if you just scroll down, it's all thumbs down. Just thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down.
2: Let's see. Let me let me find the best Steam review I read. Red. Give me one moment because this, this is gold.
4: <laughs> uh, I remember it came out today, the day we are recording <laughs> this. So <laughs> no one has no one has finished it yet. I don't care how fast you play Crown Trigger. You're not beating it in under ten hours.
1: Oh, well, Maybe if you went for the bad ending. It I just
2: the the whole situation bothers the crap out of me because people aren't going to buy this, and then SqueeNix is just going to see it as people aren't interested in Chrono Trigger. But yet, would you really pay five to ten but I mean, would you pay? Isn't
1: it? Isn't it going for fifteen? Fifteen, yeah,
2: yeah, fifteen. I mean, would you pay that much for a ROM dump of the SNES version? For- uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think uh probably not but i mean <laughs> i i have bought I have bought like you know yeah they should have put something into it yeah usually for them to put something into it I, I will say I have bought old games before for in the five to ten dollar range that are just ports when they're ported well to work with my modern day console and I mean we see that over and over again with Nintendo classics brought over to the Wii into the Wii U they just keep re- making them work on the new console and people snap them up for six to ten bucks when you get into the fifteen dollar twenty dollar range I- I'm looking for some extra TLC put into it
2: i I mean, and it's such a it's such a catch twenty two because that Secret of Mana remake came out, and they really put it looks like they really tried to put effort into that remake, and people are shitting all over that one. So it's like they damned if they do, damned if hmm. they don't. They put effort into it, people don't like it because they want the original. They port the Steam port, then nobody, or they port the mobile port, and nobody likes it. But then I don't think anybody's going to want to pay for a ROM dump either.
1: It, so it's something else because you take a look at like Sega, what is it? Romancing Sega Two on the Switch, right? That's just oh, that's just oh, saga, saga, whatever. I hate that, whatever. But 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 I mean that game looks great. It's pixel. It's it's just it's just like someone touched up the 16-bit graphics, made them, but they look nice and sharp. Um, it, it, it isn't it isn't I know I it's not 3D graphics. It's not like they did what they did with that other game you just secret of mana it, it it isn't a reimagining by any stretch it's just cleaned up pixel work and that's and that's it that looks great
2: port. and it's the mobile port is that's what's shocking about i don't think it. anybody
1: don't cares whether or not it's a mobile port but look at a screenshots of chrono trigger this looks like a bad mobile port if i'm going to mm-hmm. compare it to Romance's Saga. Uh, two which if they're both mobile ports well that's nice I don't care but I'm just like the graphics on that one the screenshots are so much clearer so much crisper this looks like a muddle I can see where it just looks like muddy mud
2: I just I don't know how to to feel about this whole, whole situation because I don't think that they set out to make a crappy port but at the same time they clearly don't have the resources to devote to a port that's halfway decent
3: yeah
1: yeah, or, or so, they, 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 yeah, they, or, yeah. Now, I will and, su- I will say, sorry. like, one of the criticisms on here that I see is about the fonts. And our Romance and Saga, too, that does bother me. Like, the fonts, they are using, like, modern-day Ariel font. And you would think, for the love of Pete, just use, either use the original pixel font to fit in with the time, or make something that looks fancier, that's made for a role-playing game. But don't make out something that looks like Microsoft Ariel yeah, yeah. You know, like, how lazy do you have to be? That's, you know, that bothers me. I, I know font bothers me when it just looks like clean-cut, aerial. Like, it looks clinical. In a beautiful game, the text just rips you right out when it looks so clinical.
2: Yeah, yeah. So so here's the best review. <laughs> this is a port for mobile. It only disappoints, but Steam will refund all my 15 silver ones.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny.
1: Oh, yeah.
4: Uh Okay, we've we've gotten through the day's controversy. Let's let's go back into standard backtracking mode.
1: Backtracking mode. So um, it's real. The only comment we had the last episode uh, where we talked about Trails in the Sky second chapter was uh, Boudet saying the saga talk here is the opposite of Q and A quest. They love the game. There is balance in the force again.
3: <laughs> I
4: don't think anybody else played second cha- second chapter of Trails in the Sky. And listen to us.
1: Maybe it was like we had some saga, probably some romancing saga talk. Did we have some saga talk on our show? Oh,
2: I'm sure we did. Mm. I'm sure one of us did.
1: Because I I probably talked about it, and I I am not the most positive person on it. It's the game I want to love, but can't, And no matter how many times I give it another shot, I just can't do it. Or maybe we brought up (laughs) Unlimited
4: Saga. I don't know.
1: Ooh, that would do it. That Um, would do it. Yep.
2: You've really gotta be in the right appreciate a song. Like drunk.
1: Think. Like drunk mood. Yeah. Lots of liquor.
2: No, just no. Mas- masochistic.
4: masochistic. <laughs> you
1: wanna, there you go.
2: You I
4: don't think paid. drunk and masochistic is enough for unlimited saga. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs>
1: no. So let's do let's do our round table so we can get uh, get headed out here. We'll start with Miss Strawberry Eggs. What's new with you? Have you done anything new on the side? Anything
0: exciting going on? Uh new on the site? Not too much lately, unfortunately, been very busy with work and some other things at home. Uh, there's a bunch of things coming down the pipe, though. Uh, there may or may not be a massive feature coming, it's mostly for me and one other person. Uh, there may or may not be some other interesting features coming out once uh, they we finally get the new website up and running. Uh, but right now, things have been rather quiet. Uh, as far as gaming is concerned, uh, I've been... Almost entirely focused on completing of Pokemon Ultra Moon, uh, the um, and you know the the upgrade to the original Sun and Moon that came out uh, in 2016, uh, and I've completed it, and I really wish this was more like Black and Black Two and White Two. Yeah,
2: I concur with that. Um, I really was not happy, kind of how Nintendo never came out and said whether or not this was a quote unquote third game
0: or a sequel yes because it seemed like because there were two of them it, it wasn't pokemon stars or what have you it was you know it, it was two games so surely it was like black two and white two and even then she's so like oh look at all this new content including new story stuff surely it's different enough to make it worthwhile no it, it's just it seems far too similar and i didn't mind that back way back with uh generation two i played crystal when that came out and I played gold and I was happy playing it. I got to be a girl in a Pokemon game finally, but I play, you know, I play this all many years later. It's just like, yeah, this is too similar. It was a bit of a, a bit of a slug. Uh, I mean, I, I, if it's the first time playing the, uh, the uh, seventh generation, by all means, play these games. It's, it improves on a couple of things from the original, but it may not be worth it as much if you've uh, played the originals, the original Sun and Moon, especially since some of the new story stuff is kind of awkwardly inserted in. Not like, only uh, awkwardly, awkwardly inserted in, but like way, way, way at the end yeah, a lot of it just comes suddenly in the end and then it happens and then it ends and then it's back to largely the same ending at the Pokemon League. I was kind of hoping that some of the new stuff, that's how the game would end. And that's how you get your first set of credits. And it's not, which is a shame because that boss battle is actually really awesome. It's bit, it's actually difficult and the music is extremely awesome. And, but, uh, but again, if, but, you know, it's a Pokemon game, and it, it's the, for the first time, in mid-generation, we get five new Pokemon, most of them Ultra Beasts. So if you're someone who insists on collecting them all, like me, you've got to get this game. Or if you're somebody who likes competitive battling, you're going to want these anyway, because all of the competitions are going to be using the new games, not the previous generation. So, yeah. But that being said, it's, again, they're good games. It just felt like too similar too soon. Yeah, I I definitely agree
2: with that. I think it was too soon. They should have been more clear. And I think it just should have been stars, not two new games. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, there you go. I will, I'm, I'm still hoping, I'm hoping to write a review, but I need to get some other stuff done since we still don't have one yet. And, uh, but otherwise, uh, I, I want to finally start on Tales of the Abyss on 3DS and play some other older games from a certain year. I don't, I don't want to say too much because it might be a bit of a spoiler oh, for an upcoming yeah. feature. But yeah, that's what I definitely need to at least get a good portion of and maybe play some other bunch of games. So yeah, that's all that's going on with me.
4: I remember enjoying Abyss on 3DS if that matters. Just,
0: oh no, I'm, I'm sure I'll, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I just have to stop going through the, uh, the ultra wormhole and try to look for guzzle lord just like okay just just stop just stop just start something new but no no let me just keep looking and i still can't find a stupid pokemon
4: i have no means of circumventing that for you i have no expertise in pokemon whatsoever Darn, i have just stayed away sorry
1: mike you don't want to catch them all no there are 807 of them now yeah I gotta get all 807 of them mike I... Uh,
4: Oh, uh, i didn't know that uh Well, that that changes everything. When it was only 806, that was nothing. But 807 is my magical number.
1: Now I can't stop. I I know, right? It just puts a whole different perspective on it. I
2: I have a living Pokedex, so I caught all 806 of them bastards. Yeah, because
0: one of them isn't quite out yet. Okay.
2: Whatever that newest one is, I'm missing. Well, yeah, nobody has
0: it. And Nintendo, as far as they're concerned, it doesn't exist yet. Yeah.
1: That's insane. Oh, gosh, even just finding 100, I can't imagine finding 800.
0: Um, Really, some of the
2: hardest part of it is, like, trying to get some of those special evolution items that trigger an evolution, if you know what I'm talking about at all. Like, one of them needing a razor claw, like, a lot of those items, you only get one per game, and you have to, like, do some of the competitive the single player competitive battling to get the battle points to get those items. Yeah. Really that that was the hardest part and getting the special event pokemon but because Nintendo did that year long uh every month that they, they release a new special event Pokemon. I managed to finish fill out a lot of those gaps. Granted it's very awkward walking into a GameStop being like, hey, you got those Arceus
0: codes? Those code, Yeah, those cards, if they still had the cards left or just printed on a the
2: seat. Uh, I, I had to I made a go I put them all in my Google Calendar and the first day they were available I made a point to go to the GameStops. Ah. but otherwise
0: I just downloaded them right from their server. <laughs> Well, yeah, the ones that let you. Yeah, and and I remember I, I I collected most of the mythical Pokemon before that major event. I I got some more because hey, legendaries and mythicals, sure, why not? Okay. Give them a- but and oh, the hardest one was Deoxys way back in the day. Um, for me, one of the
2: harder well, the Mew at Toys R Us was hard because there was a limited <sighs> amount of them, and that was uh, oh. Game Boy Advance, so somebody oh, had to trade it with me. The most interesting one was Hoopa because you had to download that from a McDonald's. And my husband and I, us both being just not wanting to be social or walk into (laughs) a McDonald's, um, pulled up in the parking lot, and he was in a spot where his DS could pick up the signal and I could not. And Uh. this was like at lunchtime. So I said, well, hey, quick, just run us through the drive-thru and let's just order lunch, and I'll see if I can get close enough then. So in the (laughs) span... Of the drive and bear in mind, I had all of my cartridges, so Alpha Sapphire, you know, Ruby Sapphire, and then X and Y, and I always download as many of them on as many cartridges as I can so that Mm -hmm. I can trade them or whatever, so we managed to get all through. I managed to trade all four of them through the course of the drive through and he's like, do you need me to stop? I'm like, no, I got the last one, I'm good.
0: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But,
2: Yeah. Pokemon it instills madness.
0: Yes. <laughs> twenty two years of madness.
2: Twenty two years of Pokemon. It's Pokemon Day
0: today. Actually, it or it came out in Japan. I guess not today. It, was, it would have been yesterday. It came out twenty two years in Japan on the oh, twenty seven.
2: Oh,
0: 20, 22 years of OCD.
4: <laughs> well, really? only only twenty years outside Japan because yeah. it took Nintendo a while to localize it. True enough. Yeah.
1: True enough. Hmm. Anything okay. else? No, nope. uh, that again, that's all that's it with me. How about you, Miss Miss Relly?
2: Um, I haven't had a lot of t- time to work on art because I've I've recovered from a really nasty cold a couple of weeks ago, and I just haven't felt like sitting at my computer to draw. So I've been playing a lot of video games. I just finished up Dragon Quest Builders, and I talked at length about that on RPG Cast this week. So. If you want to hear my thoughts on that, you can listen to that. And I moved on to a new game, and it's my first Musou game. I'm playing Fire Emblem
1: Warriors. Congratulations.
2: I am legitimately surprised at how much fun I'm having with that game.
1: I love myself some Musu games. So, do all of them play like Fire Emblem Warriors? Or? No, what's kind of interesting is 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 Koei, whoever has done such a great job of like with all these different IPs, they set them up differently. At the uh, yeah, at the core, they're all hack and slash, beat up a bunch of grunt soldiers who make your way to the captain while capturing strategic points, you know, on a map. Um, so there's a little bit of time management involved there. Uh, they all have that at the core, but the different games—whether you know you're playing Hyrule Warriors or you're playing, you know, this this game or or their Dynasty War games or Dynasty Warriors Empires. They all have, like, different subsystems. So, yeah, obviously in Fire Emblem, as you know, you've got the four, you've got two or three other captains serving under you, characters from the Fire Emblem games, and they each Mm -hmm. have uh, weapon strengths and weaknesses. And if you send them after the wrong enemy captain, they'll get their butt kicked. Uh, And that's what gives it that Fire Emblem feel. That's not something you have in the other games. In the other games, you may or may not have other captains you can command around, and when you do, they tend to be a little bit less significant. And it just depends on the game. Like, in some games, you can switch into their bodies on the fly. In other games, you can just kind of give them general directions. In other games, they're just there, and they just do their own thing. So I I like the games like uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, where my lieutenants, or whatever you want to call those other people, that I I can, number one, hop into their bodies, and number two, they they add that layer of strategic depth of, like, if I don't send them over there and then hop into their body at the right time, then I'm going to fail this mission, right?
2: Okay. Yeah. Because... That has been the most fun part of that is like okay, I feel like a military commander like okay you go here you go here okay you're weak to bows so you stay back here wait wait don't don't yep. go into the bows stupid yep. no yeah I, I I said on Twitter last night I recall yelling at one of my Pegasus knights like get your shit together because I was so mad that she kept going into the bows but. Yeah. <laughs> But oh, it's like, oh, my God, I'm surprised because, you know, you know, the tried and true joke of Dynasty Warriors is just press X to win and there isn't a whole lot of strategy to it. And, you know, Fire Emblem Warriors being my first game, it's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? There's <laughs> tons of strategy to this. Yeah. You've got to really a, command.
1: I They just did such a great job of taking that strategy element and blending it together with their real-time horde combat system. Uh-huh. Now, like in Zelda Hyrule Warriors, in the original game, you really can't command the other people. But there was so much going on at the map, what would happen is if you didn't make it to that base across the map in time, it would fall and you could lose the battle you have to pay it in all the, those games you had to pay attention to the conversations that were going on and occasionally look at your your objectives on the big map and pause it for a second but what was interesting is when they count the 3ds version they gave you the ability through the touch screen to tell the other people where to go and in certain battles you could jump into their bodies at any time and people were like while the graphics of course on 3ds are much worse they're like the trade-off of being able to control your people like a strategy game was just a, a welcome layer of depth. So when they brought that to fruition with Fire Emblem, uh, you know, Warriors, that's like the full blown realization of being able to have this full party of three or four characters with strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and stuff that you can move around, and you have to get them in the right place. You have to pay attention to what's going on, or you'll probably okay. fail. Yeah, it was really cool.
2: So uh, that being said, I'm probably going to pick up Hyrule Warriors. When it comes out, because I want to get give that one a whirl. Mm. And if I if I finish uh, Fire Emblem Warriors between now and when Nino Kuni comes out, I might pop in Dragon Quest because I have that one and it's just been kind of. I, I bought it because the Treasure Chest Edition was like on sale for sixty bucks, and I really wanted that Treasure Chest and the slime. So, I want to give that one a try too because I've heard that that one is like really good, but in a more in a Different kind of way.
1: Yeah, it's totally like the Dragon Quest Warriors feels like you're playing a role playing game, and the little monsters in that one, like the warriors, well, because they're they're monsters from the main role playing game, they have strengths and weaknesses and special attacks. So you can't just you can't just hack through them and ignore those abilities uh, so much as you could in other Dynasty Warriors games. And there's quests, and there's people asking for help, and, and there's an epic story to go with it. It it, it whereas the Zelda one. It feels like the Legend of Zelda. Like it does. Oh my god. It oh, is so okay. cool. Like yeah. there is in the adventure mode in the in Hyrule Warriors, uh, so there's the story mode. And you'll go through the story mode and it's pretty cool. And there's Hidden Heart containers just like there is in the Legend of Zelda uh, and the such. But you, you basically get through the story mode so you can get to the adventure mode. The adventure mode has a map that looks just like the Legend of Zelda's original map from the original game, right? Mm-hmm. And um and, at, and you'll see Link in the middle, and each square of the map represents a different battle. And in some squares, you'll get items like bombs and candles, and in other squares, you'll need to use those bombs and candles to reveal hidden paths. Once a hidden path is revealed and you do a battle in that area, you'll get uh, – and you perform well enough, you'll get a, a like a, a weapon upgrade for one of your characters or a new magic item or whatever – and, and and I mean, each time you hit those squares, you're going into a Dynasty Warriors battle with 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 Link. But it's how they tie it together with the Legend of Zelda mechanics and mythos that they do such a great job on. And I will say, with Hyrule Warriors having played it on the Wii U and the 3DS, um, I will tell you, I'm super excited for the Switch version because it probably is, in my opinion, the best Dynasty Warriors game. I mean it's better than Dynasty oh. Warriors. Because you've got two dozen, three dozen characters, each of which has two or three doz uh three weapons each. Like with Link you can pick between the sword and the, the, the fire wand, uh and the mace gauntlet, you know, strength gauntlet and stuff. And they all feel very, very awesome. They all make you feel like a badass. Um so I just love playing the different characters and they got characters from all the different games in the series including five different versions of Link, Toon Link and, and young Link and mask Link and uh, it, it's just it's just insane and it's so much fun that it's one of the few games that I own you know want 100% complete but it, it's so there's so much there that it be very it would take hundreds of hours to to complete that game to 100% it um, all right. But yeah, uh-huh. really fun.
0: Because uh, I have the uh, Wii U version of Hyrule that I got as a gift, and now it's just like, should I just like trade that in and get the Switch version? Because yeah. now this sounds good, but just like, but we've got the whole, you know, both the 3DS and the, the Wii U version onto one, one game. Like, should I even bother with this? That's
1: that's a great question, and my opinion on that is absolutely. And I'll tell you why. Because the Wii version, the Wii U version had the better graphics. The 3DS version had more expansions uh so it had like the the twilight uh not uh what's that uh the one with the mask again uh, majora's, mask. Majora's, mask. majora's mask map and the wind waker map it had all these different maps that once you played the main zelda map you could go do these other maps so it had hundreds of more hours of of quote-unquote gameplay you're basically doing the same battles again but the completionism me was like oh but i want to play the 3ds version because it has it also had more characters It had like three more hidden uh extra characters and so i'm like the 3ds version is more complete but the Wii U version has better graphics. Well, guess what, boys and girls? The Switch brings them both together, including that option on certain maps, from what I understand, to switch between characters, which gives you that layer of depth. So it truly is the definitive edition. Plus, they're giving you a couple of extra costumes from the the Breath of the Wild, you know, Zelda and Link and Breath of the Wild outfits. So yes, I, in my opinion, I have put I have all of the ver- the the two other versions so far, and they are completely on the back burner. In fact, I gave one to a friend. Because I'm not gonna I know, I know the the Switch version's coming out, so well,
2: I, I gotta say, I I'm really happy that Koei Tecmo, you know, takes each each of these licenses and actually makes them feel like the game that they spawned from. Because a game like this, it would be so easy to just reskin yeah. Dynasty Warriors oh, yeah. and slap some skins in. But props to Koei Tecmo ah. for taking the time to make these games fun.
1: Yeah, I was absolutely impressed with Dragon Quest Warrior and, and, and then some of the ones based on anime that I've been playing lately. Uh, and the names escape me because I'm not an anime fan, so I don't know them off the top of my head. But they've done such a great job of, of marrying those. Not all of them are super home runs, but they're at least good. And some of them, like Kairo's Dragon Quest Warriors, in my opinion, are, are pretty damn good. Um, what's really funny is that... Their main series, Dynasty Warriors. If you've been keeping track of the, like I do with that series, Dynasty Warriors Nine's been kind of sucking wind because that feels uninspired. They try to make it an open world concept, and they just half-assed it. So it's pretty much what you just described—the bad case scenario that they could have done with these IPs. Um, they pre- and they have done it with one or two other mega IPs where they half-assed it. That's basically Dynasty Warriors Nine right now. They just they try to merge it with like a Far Cry or. A, Uh, you know, one of those open world games and it just, and, and, and they, they made the characters feel flat again. The, the weapon selection is horrible. They all feel the same, which is kind of like a concern when you have 30 some, 40 some odd characters that all look Asian (laughs) is that they'll all play the same. But with legend of Zelda, I was surprised how they were able to make those characters feel so cool and different from each other. And, and most of them feel like a badass. not all of them tinkle. Not really interested in playing him. He Not only is he look silly, super silly, but his moveset is just underpowered. Wait, wait did you say Tinkle or Tingle? Tink, whatever. Tinkle, Tingle. <laughs> doof, t- doof. character that
0: nobody likes. This is character in nobody America. likes. Anyway, apparently the Japanese like him a bit more.
1: Yeah. Uh, but you play, you know, a Ganon. Oh my goodness gracious. Ganon is awesome. It really does make you feel like the badass bad guy that's there to kick everyone's ass. I love it. I can't wait. And to have it in the palm of your hand again, but with the Wii U level of graphics, if not better? Oh, yeah, Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm sold. pre order's in.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Squeenix, if you want an instant 60 bucks from me, do a... Final Fantasy Warriors. Oh, I could you
1: imagine? That. I'm well, surprised it hasn't oh, happened yet. Well, I'm
2: surprised it hasn't happened either.
1: Probably because that game they just... What was the game they just released, boys and girls?
0: Dissidia. Oh, Dissidia. God, right. maybe similar.
1: Which, yeah, maybe they think it's too similar because it's oh. a fighting game, but it's it's not. And it's not they, even that great,
0: so... Oh, a Tales move, so that needs to happen, too. They yeah. could... They could easily make
2: a fi- uh, Final Fantasy Warriors because that Dissidia plays more like a Smash Brothers.
1: That's true. Yeah, they should.
2: But <sighs> I-, I canceled my pre-order for Dissidia because I played the beta and I was really disappointed that the story mode is just watching cutscenes. that it's not like having battles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I might pick up Dissidia when it's 20 bucks, but I, I can hold off.
1: Mm. Well, I wish I wish I had held off after hearing everybody talk about Um but I didn't. Sad me. Sad face. Anything else, Miss Relly, now that you've made me um, sad?
2: Yeah, well I can make you happy <laughs> because I really am enjoying Radiant Historia uh Perfect Chronicle. And um, I I played this I played the original Radiant Historia when it came out years ago and I don't know what was going on in my life, but it didn't really resonate with me. I kind of got a little bored with it, mm-hmm. and I'm playing it again. And I'm like, okay, I'm—I must have had something going on in my life that distracted me from this game because I haven't been able to put this game down.
1: So you're playing it, is it pretty again. addictive. You're playing yeah. it again for the very first time.
2: <laughs> That's how I feel. That I didn't. I played it in spurts the last time and just couldn't really get into it. And I've been devoting more time to it this time around and trying to get, trying to find all the nodes and do all the side quests. And this new version has like a complete, a completely new side story with a third timeline. That's been really interesting to play through because all, all the stuff in that timeline is just like little self-contained side quests and, and, I'm amazed with it, and Anna just started it, and she's been having fun with it. Um, I thought
0: someone else on our staff had been playing it and has been uh, having fun. You well, know, fun, yes. I know Max Storm I tried playing that and uh, got bored with it, as I recall. Yeah, he posted okay. that on Twitter. Yeah, which is, I mean, I admit I, I, do, I admittedly don't remember much about the game. I played it back in the day, but I remember liking it a lot. I do remember like the ending pretty clearly. Uh, But, uh, admittingly, my memory's pretty scant. I'm sure it'll come back to me once I start on Perfect Chronology.
2: Yeah, um...
4: Uh, I can can say that since I'm the one who reviewed it for the site, I better remember it pretty well right now. (laughs) And, yes, it is. I reviewed the original version also, and partly I remember that because I had a review cart for the DS. I only ever got a couple of those, and those were really weird, Gigantic misshapen things that you couldn't really take portable because if you tried to put that in your pocket, it'd probably break. Mm-hmm. And with the review carts, it always seemed like the DS's battery life was cut down. I remember that clearly. And then once I was done with it, I had to ship it back to Atlas. Mm-hmm. Now, since this new one was on was allowed to be downloaded via the 3DS eShop, I would I did that early on. I had a whole lot of memories come back as I played through the thing. I found that Atlas, yes, there are a few people on GameFAQs who complain because oh no, you can't get the dual audio. But Atlas Honestly, did a fine job it. with the localization. There's really like they no usually need-
0: do. Yeah,
4: there's unless you unless the very idea of listening to the dialogue in English Offends you to the core. I don't see a problem with it. And if it does offend you to the core, then I'm sorry. You're, You've got you, problems. Yeah. You, you would, have. I guess. How are they going
2: to? Sorry. How are they going to fit dual audio on a DS card? How?
4: It's a 3DS card now, but still, yeah.
0: But yeah, still, if it's, it's full voice acting, not like clips or anything, and it
4: pretty much is. You you yeah. have to work. I I would say 99 percent of the stuff is voice acted, and what little isn't comes from NPCs who don't have portraits. That's mm-hmm, that's yeah. about it.
0: Yeah. Just like I know they did that A Farm of Awakening back in a day, but that had clips and like, what, six scenes with full dialogue, maybe?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm glad people are getting, getting, getting an opportunity to play this game again because I remember the original DS game had a pretty low print run that ran out quickly. And then was released another print run, and then that one that ran out. That sold
0: out quickly, like, wow! And, it, it,
2: you know, it is a throwback to 16-bit RPGs. And the time travel mechanic well, is not confusing. Um, it's not it, it's not like Chrono Trigger, because there's a definite timeline, or rather two definite timelines, and you've got to jump back and forth in between the two timelines, and stuff that you do in one affects what happens in the other, and, like, Anna on Twitter, I um, she was getting confused, and I had to tell her that, you know, if you get stuck in one t- timeline, you're supposed to go to, to the, go other the other <laughs> one. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. So.
4: And the third timeline, there are a few parts of it where there's one in particular that took me a while to figure out where you're supposed to get a piece of meat.
2: And- yeah, I'm stuck on that one now.
4: I, I could tell you how to do it, since I had to blunder into it myself.
2: See, I there's another NPC that's talking about needing meat or something from another village, so I figured that's where I have to go to get meat. But, I mean, I was told that you can't miss any nodes, that everything is replayable, so...
4: Which it is. You just have to find the right place and... Um... I should just tell you that there's a point where you go hunting and catch something and eat it around a campfire. That would be where you want to go.
2: Ah, I see. Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about now. I thought that would come up later. Yeah, yeah, I know know exactly what you're talking about now. That didn't (laughs) even occur to me.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I kept blundering around thinking, oh, well, all these people who sell stuff that I – who talk about selling things – Maybe somebody from the village that supplies food will be able to get me some meat. No, no, you have to go get it yourself. Kill it and eat it.
2: Yeah, this game certainly rewards having a good memory.
4: <laughs> uh,
1: just told me not to play that game. Good memory, huh?
2: Well, that's why there's game packs to compensate.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, I don't feel I, I. will say that if I look up an if I feel like I'm forced to look up an FAQ and then I realize it was my own stupidity, I don't hold it against the game. What if it's Dragon Quest Seven? Mm, no, so far I haven't been pissed at Dragon Quest Seven. As far as like most of the things I've looked up has just been stuff that I just forgot because I wasn't paying attention or whatever.
4: Oh all right, all right, You're playing the 3DS Dragon Quest Seven, not the PS1 Dragon Quest Seven, oh, which was Dragon yeah. Warrior Seven. <laughs> That yeah. one you might
2: have needed some
4: fact advice on for some yeah. reason.
1: Mm-hmm. Anything else, Miss Relly?
2: No, I think I'm good, and I think I'm gonna have to mic drop, because it's midnight where I am, and I need to attempt to get some sleep tonight.
4: Alrighty, you have a good Fair night. Fair enough. Good night. Rest well.
2: It was good talking to you all. Always a pleasure, and I hope you guys have an excellent rest of your week.
1: Thank you. you good night, Kelly. Talk to you guys later. What do you have for us, Mr. Minky?
4: You I mean, aside from that Radiant Historia bit that I just meant, yeah, I did the review for the site. And
1: yeah, go and read fun. it. Go and read it today.
4: And I finally got the Tales of Hearts R review up, and shockingly, truly, amazingly, a whole lot of people wanted to talk about other Tales games instead of that one in particular, which I actually reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> And even though he has said our lovely forum denizen VE says that That he never plays portables, had to chime in with all of his wonderful, truly well-researched and in-depth analyses of certain Tales game mechanics, which nobody else cares about because he doesn't even write them that well.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm increasingly amazed at the things, the inane things that person picks, like complains about just like. The cooking system, really, uh, of all the things entails the cooking system. Yeah.
4: Or oh my goodness, he's not able to get ninety-nine of every item. Wow. That. Okay, if that's if you're never gonna play a game where you can't max out your inventory of every item, or you can't
0: break it wide open in like the first ten hours.
4: Or if you. No, he, he likes to seem to be to break things open if it takes 200 hours to do it.
0: No, but I, I've seen him complain where it's just like, oh, but it takes much longer before I could do it in a shorter amount of time. Just like, who cares?
4: Yeah, unless you are one of those five people who hangs around in the GameFAQs forums and talks about, yeah, well, I found a way to kill everything in three seconds with this super mega glitch that, that the programmer should have caught. Well, there are people like that. More power to you. I don't really want to talk to you about it, though. Leaving me out of it. Eh, oh well. Um, that's something that will probably spawn attention from him. I have been playing the Secret of Mana remake. Nobody God. else on staff seems to be reviewing it, so I will probably get the job. I'm, I'm willing. I can say that even though a patch is apparently coming, it doesn't seem to address the crashing issue... It's only crashed five times for me so far, and that new little autosave thing where it automatically saves the instant you go to a new area, that's very good. Because if it didn't have that, then remember how Secret of Mana was made back in the days when you couldn't save very often? Well, that would have been a problem without auto-saving now if Eesh. the game crashed, And I have seen worse games in terms of constant crashing. That is absolutely correct. And it more or less gets across the Secret of Mana vibe. Having said that, it doesn't change a whole lot. And thus, you can get the digital version of the original Secret of Mana pretty easily. So I'm I'm not really sure who this was made for. Younger kids, they're hoping, will play it? Maybe, but I, I guess those are for all the the children who look at Super Nintendo sprites and think, Oh, that's so ugly. Ew, that's old. Mommy,
2: why are you making me play the old thing? Eh."
4: And I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the spectrum here where if that's the worst thing a child has to encounter in life, I can't work up any sympathy.
1: (laughs) Hashtag first world problems.
4: (laughs) Hashtag 1% first world problems, I think. Uh, beyond that... Oh, yeah, there's something else I've been playing off and on, and I'll probably get to review that soon, because I don't even remember why I started playing Luffy of the Legend Returns, but uh, it's freaking boring. And that happens when you have every dungeon, every dungeon be randomly generated. Ugh... And I don't feel like going into that right now because I want to go to bed sometime soon and I don't want to talk about all the ways Luffy the Legend Returns is letting me down. But, you know what, I will will go into one right now because it's just so freaking aggravating. When you have your maximum character count, you can have nine people in battle, but they're each in a row. And you can only have one person in each row act. And if your front row dies, you lose. How does that make sense?
1: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <I> don't
4: know. <sighs> And yeah, you 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 nominally outnumber the enemies, but they often get to take a couple of actions a turn, and they and they of course bust out instant death spells and all that fun stuff to make your life miserable. And exploring the dungeons is so freaking boring because since they're randomly generated, there's nothing interesting to find in them. You can't find any equipment in the dungeons. None. You get the same items in the last dungeon, I think. I'm a couple dungeons away from it, as you did in the very first one. Who designed it like this? What genius thought that would be a good idea? <laughs> So, yeah, I will eventually have more, much more to say on the subject of Luffy the Legend Returns shortcomings. But I'm waning for the night and I would rather not work myself up and sleep badly because of it. So I'll just say that Black Panther is a very interesting movie and probably worth seeing, although it does not reinvent the wheel and make me go, this was the greatest superhero movie. No, no. This was the greatest movie of the decade because it's not. It is a good movie. It is a good comic book movie. It is not something that will make you re-examine your life. And that's all I have for now.
1: It's the new Casablanca. Hello. There already
4: was the new Casablanca. It was called Tank Girl and it bombed. (laughs) I thought you were going to say
1: Twilight. Uh, Anyway, uh, so. (laughs) uh, No, no, barbed wire.
4: I'm sorry. Barbed wire. Yes, remember when Pamela Anderson starred in the Casablanca remake? Oh, boy. They didn't call it Casablanca, but it was Casablanca.
1: Oh, boy, oh, boy. All right, so, uh, yeah, yeah. pretty much have uh, finished up uh, Monster Hunter World. I wrote a few paragraphs uh, about it, threw it up on the website, gave it a score, put a big old fat score on it, so you can head over to rbgamer.com. Uh, spoiler alert, I enjoyed it. Uh, and um, you know, I just, you know, I kind of go back and do some of the post game stuff here and there. Uh, it, I will say that as I as you kind of heard me say earlier with Monster Hunter Four, um, it doesn't have the depth of quote unquote post game or you know post high rank stuff. It, it just seemed to go so quick too. Uh, it's definitely a faster burn. But the graphics, I think, you know, the graphics and everything are just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, they put so much production value into this game that that kind of limited maybe, uh, you know, the, the number of monsters and post game stuff they could do with it. But they'll probably roll it out over the over the year. So until then, uh, I'm looking at everything. It's like I'm playing a lot of Monster Hunter 4 right now. I'm also playing Dragon Quest. Uh, interesting thing. A uh, couple, you know, I saw this just drop into my mailbox. I, I subscribed to GOG News. And uh, they, they they had a they, they, they said hey th- from the creators of FTL there's a new game I'm like oh really because I loved FTL and I'm surprised you know someone who keeps up with the news that I didn't know they were they were working on a new game uh, it's called Into the Breach and essentially it's an eight by eight tactical RPG type of deal uh, you will you will uh, start off with uh, three characters and three mechs uh, the maps uh, there are aliens attacking. Uh, different buildings on earth it's your job to protect them uh the different mechs that you control have different abilities but the one thing they all have in common is they they that when they attack there's some element of pushing around the enemy involved and the cool thing is you know what the aliens are going to do the next round because in the story you're traveling to the past to 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 try to stop the fact that they basically destroyed the world and so that's the story set up for why you know what 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 attack the monsters are going to do next. But that creates kind of a bit of a puzzle because even though you know what they're going to do next, you may not have planned properly or have all the resources on hand needed to stop all those attacks so you uh, from hitting something. But when you push the enemies around the right way, you can actually have them accidentally attack each other. Uh, and uh, or put yourself in front of a building that's about to be attacked because your primary goal, for the most part, is to protect the buildings. It, it, from the creators of FTL, you can expect, you know, roguelike. Uh, if, you, if you die, your game is over. It's permanently over. It's constantly saving type of thing. And, um, uh, and as you go through the board, you get more powers and more skills, but it becomes more difficult. So I put about five hours into it today. Really, really enjoyed it. It's a lot of fun uh already and uh very much uh uh, very much uh 4.5 stars from 56 reviews so far along those lines uh i was a kickstarter supporter of battle tech which is supposed to be if you ever played battle i think it was battle mech commander or battle tech commander way back in like 2001 that was a turn-based rpg type of deal where you're where you're controlling big huge mechs kind of very much like xcom but Battletech games, because you're controlling big mechs that are big, they're heavy. They can they can do jumps, uh, but they're but they you know, they, they got uh, big heavy weapons on them that can overheat, can even cause your mech to blow up if you're not careful. Uh, there's a lot of different strategic elements. Therefore, there's different classes of mechs. Uh, so there's different strategic elements that you wouldn't get in XCOM because of that, and it's based on the ever so you know uh, popular Battletech universe. So uh, when when some Kickstarter you know creators were like, hey, we're going back to the spirit of of, of whatever it was, Mech Comm- I think it was called Mech Commander uh, back in 2001, which I really did enjoy. Uh, then, then and we're going to reinvent this for you know the, the modern age. I was like, ooh, you know, I'll pop a few bucks at that. Well, it's been dragging on and on. I was beginning to think, where are they ever going to get it out? But they did announce that it's coming out next month or so. You can actually pre-order it on GOG. Uh, I would wait for the reviews. I'm not a big, huge fan of pre-ordering stuff. But, of course, I say that after I kick the Kickstarter. But, uh, uh, but it does look like it's shaping up you know, really, really cool. Uh, one of the things I like also about uh, these games, these mech-type Mech, Commander, uh, Mech type games, one of the strategic elements you want to get in XCOM is you can aim at certain body parts, And you can blow off the legs or you can blow off the arms. If you hit the head, which is a small percentage chance, but if you aim for the head, you could actually eject the pilot. Uh, There's there's a lot of strategic options. But you're trying to keep the same um, pilots alive so they can accrue experience, so they can get better at what they're doing. Uh, And you're taking on jobs. You're basically working for companies, fighting their fights for them. They pay you and use that money to get bigger classes of mechs. So... Super super fun, and then just um, uh, putting them together, uh, choosing their different weapon loadouts, very much reminds me of fr- Front Mission three. But uh, I think uh, Battle Tech has been around longer than Front Mission, so yeah. Anywho, but that looks super exciting. So there's some positive news. Yay, positive news. Woo, woohoo, yay! Woo-hoo! So that's uh that's all I got, and uh, with that, we're gonna just remind everybody that RPG Backtrack is. A production of RPGamer.com. Your news, your home, your site for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Head over to RPGamer.com where we have all kinds of articles for you to read. You know, by people who love you know RPGs. Uh, aside from the, we have a Fire Emblem Warriors review up. We have Golf Story, we have Battle Chasers, God Monster Hunter, Draffender's Quest, Tales of Hearts are. We got all kinds of cool reviews, new re- new games as well as retro games that you'll want to go and check that out at RPGamer.com, and as well as our sister shows, the RPG Cast and the Active Tactical Banner and the Q and A Quest, which I was on not too long ago to talk more about Monster Hunter and Saga, whatever the hell is Commando Saga two. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're all tired, uh, but you can go check that all out at RPGamer.com uh, and leave your comments on our forums. Uh, or hit us up at twitter i'm at jc servant mr meeky is at jew me sign s-y-n sin whatever and strawberry eggs is that strawberry eggs or
0: uh, berry eggs at berry, berry eggs.
1: eggs at berry eggs yeah and whoever left i i don't know who the hell she was anyway so
3: <laughs>
1: we don't care about her hand she was hey she don't stay on she gets no handle call out <laughs> boom done All right, but thank you all so much for for staying on with us. Mr. Meekie, would you please put us to bed?
4: I think the title of this game being Fragile Dreams is very indicative of what I would like to now engage in, although my dreams will probably not be so fragile. Good night.「
3: 世界にないかなねえ伝えたいことはもうこの心にないかな夜の淵繰り返す you you Chimalinhei a fura é da